For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Now Action Sports Jacks is on your radio. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and a jar in Levine Studios. Here's your host, Brent Martineau. For fine Cuban cigars The problem is I can't afford them Last year I went and got myself a box Fred Myers seems like this Just to be safe I am sure I took out a policy against fire and theft and then I hurried on home With a 50 cent lighter I sat on my back steps And I smoked them one by one Hey, Scott, doing some work. Big and deep. All right, Brent. favorite cigar bar. Favorite Brad Paisley song, End Go. Oh, jeez. I'm not a huge Brad Paisley guy. Uh... One of the best songs written, I think, is uh, Letter to Me. It's a yeah, cool that's song. a good one. Uh, I don't know if I like the beat and all that, but I mean, I just from a storytelling and, yeah. and way he wrote it uh, is really good. So, yeah, I'm not a huge Brad Paisley guy. It's I, not like a guy that I would say, oh, I want to go see Brad Paisley. That, that's concert. surprising, you know, because you're kind of the big country guy. And I know, it, I know it, but there's some that I don't love. You know, I don't. It's not that I don't like them, but I don't yeah. love them. All right. Uh, yeah. My, yeah, I mean, in case you're wondering what my personal favorite Brad Paisley song is, I have to go with Alcohol, obviously. Since the day I left Milwaukee, you know. I mean, yeah, a, very good, very good. It's a classic. Nice so. dropping a line from the home. It's especially being in high school too. That song uh, was pretty big. Well, listen, <laughs> we're uh, we're at Aroma Cigar Bar and Stogie Fest is happening this weekend. A little party tonight, party tomorrow, uh, and then Stogie Fest happens on Sunday. Limited tickets available. Big event here, from my understanding of it. The one, we are on the south side. It's been a long time, by the way, since I drove south side to do a little radio. Uh, it's been a few months, um, but uh, we are. Uh, really right along Southside, so please drive safely. And outside of that, we'll have some tents up here on Sunday. I guess a big day, a uh, big cigar festival, if you will, with Stogie Fest. And uh, you can go check it out on stogiefest.com for more information. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane, on the road again. That's what we do. We take the show on the road, and uh, we're all over the place today, including the Jacksonville Iceman game coming up tonight. Make sure it's uh, to stop by ESPN 690 night at the Jacksonville Iceman, and uh, we'll be performing. That's what I heard. I'm still a little <laughs> nervous to the fact that I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, I heard golf clubs, maybe hockey sticks. Not really sure what's happening. We just know we have a contest, and uh, we're going to have some fun out there at Jacksonville Iceman game. They got a big win last night, so good for the Iceman. We got a lot to get to here on a Friday. Hope you're having a good week. Hopefully you get out of work a little early. Uh, head on over here. Say hello to Aroma Cigar Bar right on Southside. Uh, but you can also uh, head into the weekend early, too, hopefully if you had a good Friday here in Jacksonville, Florida, and beyond, because we know you're listening from all over the place. NCAA tournament, how's your bracket now? My wife says, 
My bracket looks really good. She had Purdue and Texas Tech in the Elite Eight. That's pretty impressive. I mean, what is going That's on very here? That's impressive. She must have, Eeny, Miney, Mo must have really Mrs. worked. Mrs. Martin, no, props to you. Uh, I'm not sitting so pretty as she is. I had Michigan uh, going on. They got beat. And then, uh, obviously, too, I did. Who was the other one that you said? I'm sorry. I'm trying to get my... You had Michigan, and then uh, the other one was Purdue, Tennessee. Oh, Purdue, Tennessee. Yeah, that, that one I had uh, Tennessee winning. As well, well, I'm about so done because I had Tennessee bad. in the national championship yeah, game. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure I beat you already. That was a great game, though. You know, yesterday I don't think lived up to it in terms of the hype of games. A little snooze fest last night. And Michigan had 18 points 24 minutes into the game, which is almost ridiculous to think about that, considering John Beeline, too. Hey, you got me? No, we're here. Well, there you go. <laughs> hey, are we back, Scott? We can still hear you over here. Oh, okay, good, good. Uh, you were playing a little R.J. Raymond, which we'll get to that. Uh, I think that was R.J. Raymond. Uh, a little conversation we had. We must have dropped out here on the south side for a moment. But uh, good backup plan there. R.J. Raymond, you'll hear from uh, him, uh, the former Fletcher High senator, Florida Gator, earned a scholarship. Uh, that'll be part of the show today. I had a good conversation with him. Not only that, he was at Pro Day the other day, but wanted to get his thoughts on potentially one of these spring leagues and if the career doesn't work out in the NFL, what kind of opportunity that is for uh, players now that you can continue your football career, not just the CFL or something like that. But uh, we'll hear from uh, RJ. You heard from him prematurely because we uh, dashed out of here for a second on the signal. But uh, thanks for hanging with us as we continue to talk about NCAA tournament. Sure. Uh, Michigan, a little surprising. You know, over the years, they can score it at will. Uh, 18 points in the first 24 minutes. That game was a snoozer. Even Virginia. Literally, Oregon. I fell asleep actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and fair <laughs> enough, you should. Virginia, I mean, but it also, it don't, don't take away from how good Texas Tech is. That's no, the true. thing. I told you that yesterday. I said, keep an eye on these Texas Tech, Purdue's. People don't know a lot about these teams. Texas Tech, back to the Elite Eight two years in a row. And for. Uh, the other game, uh, Virginia and Oregon was a decent game in terms of finish and closeness, but it was boring. You know, not a lot of scoring. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about it was an Ivy League game, 53 to 49. But we did have the game of the night. Uh, on paper, was Gonzaga, Florida State. Florida State just couldn't hit a shot. But the game of the night ended up being Tennessee what, against Purdue because what a rally! Yeah. what a rally by the Vols. I mean, I mean listen, you got to give them credit. Tennessee was down 18 points, came back, took the game to overtime. Uh, you know, I, I took a few stories away from that game. Obviously, the Boilermakers being down by two with about two seconds left, and uh, Carson Edwards gets fouled shooting a three-pointer. Uh, so he goes to the line, misses the very first. Did you think it was a foul? Yeah, yeah. Did I, you? I, I think it was legit, yeah. I mean, I can honestly go either way, but just, you know, for, for my, I guess, selfish reasons, I wanted to see an overtime game or at least a, a nail-biter come down to the end. So I was kind of happy, I guess, since I didn't really have a dog in the fight. But uh, so, so the kid misses the first one, and then, you know, obviously hits the second two. Can you imagine, like, how nerve-wracking that moment's got to be for him? I, I mean, I, it is unbelievable. And, really. like, I understand, you know, free-throw shooters, like, listen, they've they've done free-throws. I mean, I think they say 10,000 shots or 10,000 reps is uh, what you need to have to, you know, master something, I guess, basically. So, I mean, I'm sure when he went up there, I mean, he's done it a, mil a million times before, but... Man, you know, to, to go to the lead eight, pressures on national television, 
I probably would have threw up right right on the court, honestly, man. I don't think I could have handled that kind of pressure. It's an epidemic, by the way, in college basketball especially, but really basketball. And you see it more because you see more three-pointers taken. But guys just follow three-point shooters, and you can't follow the three-point shooter. Mm -hmm. You cannot make that foul in the corner. If he hits the game winner, you tip your cap. And, and he got a good shot off, but you cannot foul him and give that situation. I mean, they're lucky they didn't lose the game in regulation. They still had a chance at overtime. But I, and I thought it was a little ticky tack. I mean, every shooter now they jackknife their body, so their bottom half is is hitting the opponent. Which, again, I mean, if you look, he did not go straight up and down and take a shot. I mean, he his legs were were kind of. Uh, in front of him by a couple of feet, a couple of inches, and that's where the contact was made, in my opinion. So I don't know about how controversial the call is, but you have to do a better job. I, don't, I know these coaches are coaching it up. They have to do a better job of not following. Players have to do that. And right now it is an ep- epidemic in, in basketball where those guys get fouled way too much. And it's frustrating to watch if you're a fan of any of these teams. Uh, it, you just don't want that situation. You want contested shots. You run at the shooter. But you don't need to hit the shooter. You don't need to run by him for crying out loud. And, and really, that's dangerous. I get it from a rebounding standpoint. But the, the committing of fouls beyond the three-point line on a 20-something, uh, 20-something foot shot is, is, is well, a little in, in the teens in, the, in college. But yes. it's just ridiculous. Uh, I know they shoot it uh, with um, more success now. But you can't do it. You just can't do it. And, and that was another example of it. But we did well, get a great game. At least we got well, one good game of the night. And speaking of free throws, I mean, Tennessee going 14 for 28 from the line and Purdue going 16 of 32. If this was the regular season, those guys would have been running laps in the parking lot after the game, man, because that's atrocious. So uh, that's something else, too, that was kind of, I mean, I don't say it was entertaining, but it kind of added another dynamic to that game. And obviously, Ryan Klein. Man, yeah. dropping 27 points, 7 for 10 from the land of good and plenty. That was pretty impressive. I really think Tennessee had a good team, too. I didn't know as much about Purdue. I have Tennessee going to the championship game. I mean, who really knows? But I think they were good enough to do that. Purdue might be good enough to do that. Now, Purdue could knock off Virginia easily, be in the Final Four, be to UNC or Houston or someone like that. So uh, now I, I just didn't know probably enough about Purdue when I did my bracket, too. And I knew this would happen. You Texas Tech, the Purdue's, the teams you don't watch a lot during the year, well, you kind of sense, like, whoa, those guys are pretty good, yeah. you know, and they're playing good basketball. I thought Virginia was fortunate to survive or Oregon because Oregon's playing really good basketball. First time they had lost since February 23rd, I think it was, or 22nd. And how about Florida State? Florida State's last uh, 20 games or so, they lose three times. North Carolina, Duke, and Gonzaga, that's who they lose to in the last uh, couple months of the year. Florida State just couldn't hit a shot. We're going to talk more about this game coming up. But they just could not hit and connect. That game was a little bit uh, misleading from a scoring standpoint. That wasn't 72-58 from a talent standpoint. It wasn't a blowout. Yeah, it yeah, really was. And you give Florida State credit. They hung in and hung in and hung in. They clawed back, battled back. But they, they had the down to four or six. I think it might have been six. And then they had three ter- horrendous possessions in a row. One, I thought they panicked and rushed and took an off-balance shot. The other one was a turnover, and then they just had another bad possession right after that. I mean, that was the critical time, and in between all that, Gonzaga comes down, hits a three-pointer. It was a four-point game at the time because they made it seven, and that was a critical stretch of the game. But Florida State, hats off, uh, another nice run, even though they don't get to the Elite Eight. I think they might have just lost to the national champion. Listen, we talked about their offense yesterday. I mean, I think Gonzaga was number one in the nation in, uh, in scoring offense, number two in offense efficiency. That really wasn't the case last night. I think the story of Gonzaga was the fact that they allowed the Seminoles just to do 
one and dones. I mean, they, they did a great job of boxing out, not giving up offensive rebounds, which was kind of the Florida State calling card, especially against Murray State. So uh, I think it was important for you know the, the Zags to hold the Florida State team to one shot per you know per trip down the floor. And then also, too, Gonzaga did a great job of attacking those boards and getting those put-back dunks, which I think are a great momentum changer. Yeah, they you are. Know? I mean, the, it's just you, you could obviously see it on the bench and whatnot. Those guys went crazy. It happened like three or four times, I Yeah, saw. the one, they jumped right. Now, listen, I'm Oof. still a box-out guy, yeah. and, like, it's okay to leave your feet or get outside of the circle and box out, mm-hmm. and I think that's another epidemic in college basketball. I mean, you see it all the time. I mean, get your body on somebody, man. I mean, I know it's old school. That's basketball. you yeah. got to be able to do it. If you do that at all in that situation, on that dunk, that follow dunk that was a monster, he climbed the back, then, then you don't give that up. He can't do that. Instead, you're flat-footed, hardly trying to find a guy, and bam, the guy comes in. Now, the athleticism's sick. It's crazy. Yeah. And the guy's crashing the boards. But still, it just comes back down to fundamentals. You've got to be disciplined not to follow people, and you've got to be able to box out and hit free throws. It's still a sport of fundamentals. And it's funny. You think of Gonzaga, you kind of think of like more of a finesse team, I guess, like throughout the years, and I don't know why I think that. Maybe it's because they had a bunch of Europeans back in the day, and maybe, uh, wow. I'm not trying I mean, to be a little racist. Fired. I know, right? Maybe shots a little fired. But, uh, but listen, Europeans was, are soft, well, is what you're saying. Well, Brent, it's a different type of style, let's be honest. Alright, so, but getting back to the point, though, I was impressed Sorry, how... Sorry, a lot of points, you're just soft. <laughs> I was impressed how the Zags could go, you know, in the post, and granted, they weren't really successful in the post, but they actually really took it right to Florida State, weren't intimidated at all, and Florida State has some good size and some good athleticism, but when, when it came to the post, man, Gonzaga was pounding the boards as well, so, once again, I was pretty impressed with Gonzaga, their aggressiveness, uh, their team defense, I mean, they did a great job of staying in the lanes, whatnot, uh, so, yeah, it was, overall, man, that... That was the win that they needed, you know, because we're talking about, ah, are they kind of an overrated one seed, especially losing to St. Mary's uh, yeah. in, in the tournament and whatnot. But I think Gonzaga put a lot of teams on notice here. Yeah, well, well listen, they didn't put me on notice. I got him as my national champ, so. Well, I have not going to the finals. There so. you go. Or I'm See? sorry, no, I don't have him losing to Duke. Yeah, my my, my bad. Who doesn't have him losing <laughs> to Duke? What about Zion tonight? What about the games tonight? We'll talk a little bit about it. We are at Aroma Cigar Bar here on the south side. Come check it out. Come hang with us for a little bit. Have a Stogie. Stogie Fest this weekend. StogieFest.com for more information. More to come all afternoon long on a Friday, hanging out on a beautiful Friday in Jacksonville, Florida, here on ESPN 690. Stay with us. And uh, they're getting ready for a big weekend, Stogie Fest. StogieFest.com for more information. A big day on Sunday right here at Aroma's Cigar Bar. I can smell it. <sighs> feel like, you Are know, you a big Stogie guy? Uh, listen, let me be honest with you. I am a uh, big Stogie guy? No. Like, can I tell you all the brand names and everything and what costs what and, and like, you better have this kind? No, but I wouldn't mind learning a little bit about it, and I might go in here during a break or two and do it. Yeah. That being said... I don't mind a cigar from time to time uh, out on the golf course, having one. So, uh, yeah, it's one of those things. I've never been like a smoker of any kind, but I do like having a cigar from time to time. So uh, I would say recreational cigar smoker, uh, periodic Special occasions. Yeah. 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 Uh, 
Honestly, not really. You know, I mean, growing up in high school, I was the kid that looked the oldest uh, out of all my friends. So when I was a freshman, I'd have to go to the gas stations. And obviously, I'm not 18 years old yet. I'd be like, you know, 15 years old. So I'd go to the register and try to get us some cigars. Sometimes it got busted. Sometimes it actually worked. <laughs> Apologies to my mom listening right now. I'm sure she's just shaking her head if she heard that. But Mom's always listening. Yeah, but it is what it is. But I remember like my first time um, I went to the gas station because we had these things in Wisconsin. They're called Philly Titans. So I go up and get some of my friends, and I'm not of age yet, granted. Uh, so I go to the gas station. I'm like, can I have a pack? And, you know, I'm nervous. It's my first time. I'm sweating bullets. And I go, can I get a pack of uh, Titan Phillies? And they're like, what are Titan Phillies? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I meant Philly Titans. So, so like, immediately, <laughs> it up. Well, immediately the guy was just shaking his head, but he actually gave them to me. So I'm sure he just felt so bad for the fact that uh, you had this, you know, this 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid walk in and get cigars. But, uh Thanks to the guy that worked at the Sicko in Wassa for giving me those cigars yeah. back today. But uh, getting don't back, don't do that, kids. Yeah, but getting back to cigar talk, I'm not a big cigar guy. You know, I, I've never uh, really, I guess, understood the appeal because you don't really inhale them, from what I understand, right? You just kind of puff on them. I don't know. Ask them. We, we have some experts over here. Do, <laughs> do you inhale them or you just puff on them? Yeah, for sure, exactly. Because like I've done that a couple times. And the next morning, I woke up and just like hacked up a lung. So. <laughs> It's a little crazy, but 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 it's amazing. Like with cigars, like how that's kind of correlated with sports, though. You know, what I mean, Absolutely. like some of, so some of my favorite athletes of all time are correlated with. with Give me cigars. the first image that comes to mind. I got two of them right away. So I said the first one, Michael. Okay, well, there's two of them that came in my head. So obviously, being a kid of the '90s, Michael Jordan. I mean, was was, was the was with the, the, the ba- hugging the basketball, hugging the basketball was that after cigar. His dad had died or something. Well, was it, that the title after his dad died? The first one was his first title ever. It so was? I think, okay. I think uh, that might have came a little later. But I remember being a kid, uh, because, you know, obviously when it comes Your to... Your agent's the, calling you. I know, right? Sorry about might that. Might have another fight or a chance in the NFL. I'm but not sure. Speaking of Michael Jordan, so, you know, obviously when you're in grade school and everything, you're growing up, you have, like, these PSAs, like, people come and talk to you about how smoking's bad and whatnot. And I remember seeing that iconic image of Michael Jordan holding the trophy cigar in his mouth. I'm like, why are these people telling me that smoking is bad when Michael Jordan, the greatest athlete of all time... <laughs> A winner in my book, like no, smoking is not bad. Smoking is good. Smoking is for champions. So that was uh, that was kind of my first introduction in, in terms of athletes and smoking. Then obviously Wayne Gretzky as well um, was kind of the huh, same thing. That's interesting, Wayne yeah. Gretzky. That would not have come to mind. And, and speaking of Wayne Gretzky, dude, like, you want to hit on Bryce Harper so much, Brent, for for going, you know, changing sides and whatnot. How do you think the people in Edmonton felt when Wayne yeah, Gretzky left to go to L.A.? I agree. Probably the same way the Nationals fans. No, I'm sure the people probably worse actually. Yeah, a lot worse. Kresge's the goat. He is the goat. But uh, you know, my that's a good. I I thought of the from a sports image. By the way, I thought of uh, Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't the first one because for me, where I'm from, Red Auerbach is the guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, Red Auerbach always had a cigar in his mouth, and there's always those images of him, and obviously uh, uh, big in in the Boston area and New England. But I do think it is kind of a, a thing for championship team like it's it's champagne and cigars isn't it well and it's funny obviously i knew i was coming here today so i do a little research and actually so in 1993 that would have been jordan's like so he won his first title in 90 1990 so this was you know three years later he actually uh when he would go to home games because living in chicago is obviously a train wreck when it comes to traffic and whatnot so on average it took him about an hour to get to the arena from his house and he would he's been reported saying this where he's actually smoked cigars on the way to the game because it said it helped relax him and everything so i find that hard (laughs) to believe how you know this prime athlete and everything would smoke a cigar right before a game because it calmed his nerves and eased his mind a little bit well that's really interesting because i mean you know 
marijuana and basketball players gets <laughs> tied pretty closely together. Goes hand in hand. Does it? I mean, yeah, does no, it? No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it does. I, I'm not. I'm not like. <laughs> I don't want to label, but I'm just saying. Kind of are a that, little bit. No, well, but it's true. I it mean, is. it's just like, and well, it always surprised me too a little NFL bit too. as a uh, younger person in college, especially. I was like, <laughs> all those guys are doing that. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, they're they're also playing this up tempo style of game. I was like, wait a minute, that does that make sense? Like, are you're trying to run and gun for yeah. 48 minutes or 40 minutes in college basketball? Yeah, I mean, and you're <laughs> doesn't that affect doesn't affect your cardio a little bit? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, don't, thing, I don't know. I, don't I guess know. not. But. Yeah. Uh, I always was, was curious about that as a as a college student. Well, um, then the other guy that came to mind too, and you asked me, was Babe Ruth. Um, uh, yeah, that's a good one. And, and obviously, it wasn't a guy from my time, but uh, I did a little research on him too. And actually, in the 1920s, people were puffing on five cent sticks, and he was, uh, you know, the salt in the swat was puffing on sixty cent cigars, ah, which was 60 unheard of back then. I want to. So, I mean, you know I'm going to go ahead there and find out here at Aromas. I want to find out what the uh, most expensive cigar is. Oof. Yeah, I want to do that. I'm sure it's going to knock you in the dirt a little bit. I bet it will. Yeah. It's not 60 cents. It's I can not tell you that. And then he's going to order not three of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, That's it. By the way, you know, you do research for this show. Yeah. You even research cigar-smoking athletes. That's impressive. I did. Yeah. I mean, another fun fact with Babe Ruth is the fact that in the offseason, he literally would hire somebody to fly him to Cuba just so he could pick up a bundle of cigars. <laughs> like, that's that's how into it he was. All right. Listen, I can give you one game to watch tonight, NCAA basketball. You only get one because we only know there's going to be one good one. LSU, Ooh. Michigan State, Auburn, UNC, Virginia Tech, Duke, Houston, Kentucky. Give me the best game of the night. Man. Dude, you're killing me here because all these games have something going for them. Well, um, a lot of blue bloods in here, too. Yeah. You know what? Well, the one that's most important to me, I guess, would be the Auburn-UNC game because I have actually Auburn beating them in my bracket. Uh, I'm curious to see because Auburn's been cruising, man. They've been shooting the lights out. UNC is UNC. We know who they are. So I feel like that's a great matchup. But obviously Duke-Virginia Tech is an interesting one, too, because Virginia Tech beat them earlier in the year. You know, so Duke's coming for revenge there. And let's go and Buzz see. Williams has been pretty successful yeah. against Duke, if I'm not mistaken, in the past. So. And then w- with Houston and UK, let's go ahead and see what Houston's got. Well, that you know, that's the one to me that actually I'm excited about. I'm intrigued about. Listen, I want to watch Zion Williamson play too. Um, I'm a little fatigued on the everybody falling in love with every time Zion Williamson dribbles mm-hmm. kind of people, uh, which is the case. I understand he's magnificent. Uh, one of the best things to happen to college basketball in a while. One of the great watches of college basketball, entertaining. So. Uh, glad we get to see him. But I do think that Houston-Kentucky game is interesting. I, I don't know how good Kentucky is. You know, I think they're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't know how good Houston is. And I think they might be really, really good. Uh, I told you this at the start of the tournament. If you look at the metrics on Houston, they're like a top-four team in the country and some of the metrics that, that people break it down. And and so, yeah, I, I think they might be one of those hidden Texas Tech-Purdue kind of sleeper teams that people... If you really know college basketball, okay, you know you're, they're good. I get it. But if you're casually filling out your bracket, you might be surprised by Houston and their talent and just how good they are, capable of beating anybody else, capable of winning the national title. And if they beat Kentucky tonight, they will prove that. Brent, let me ask you this. I want to get back to this Duke-Virginia Tech game quick and just Duke basketball in general. So obviously, I mean, since I can remember, like, you know, it was kind of the cool thing to hate Duke. You know, like Duke's like the most hated college basketball team um, you know, in the country, obviously. And 
whether it's Christian Leitner or, you know, very recently Grayson Allen, no offense to him, he's a Jacksonville kid, but obviously he started to get some hate when it came to the tripping thing and those incidents like that. It always seems like Duke's got that guy that you hate. Well, then enter Zion Williamson for a second. Do you kind of feel the tide shifting a little bit from people hating on Duke? Because you have Zion Williamson, who, number one, is obviously a freak athlete, um, blew out his shoe from just taking a step, like, get get real. (laughs) But then, obviously, he's he's a humble guy, does great interviews, seems like just a genuine, down-to-earth kind of dude. Do you feel the tide shifting of the Duke hate? Because I'm starting to feel it a little bit. That's an awesome uh, point. Really yeah. good point. Uh, let's stay on it. Let's talk about it. Let's take a break here uh, from the south side. Aroma Cigar Bar, Stogie Fest happening this weekend. And that's a really good thought. Is Duke almost lovable with Zion Williamson? Because they've been anything but lovable to the masses for a long, long time. What do you think? Give us a call, 904-362-9901. Chime in on all the social media platforms. We're working on the video stream, by the way, so hang tight on that. Uh, But 904-362-9901. What do you think about Duke this year? You almost kind of quietly rooting for them? Next on ESPN 690. You watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Now Action Sports Jacks is on your radio. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. Here's your host, Brent Martineau. We're tickling my nostrils right now. I'm not sure what kind of cigar it is, but it actually smells pretty good. We, we did a little research, did a little recon, and figured out the most expensive cigar here at Aromas is 50 bucks, which is quite shocking to me because I figured it'd be like in the $200, $300 range, especially coming from a guy who on the Jacksonville Jaguars had to buy his defensive lineman a shot of Louis the Thirteenth, which cost about, I don't know, 300 bucks a shot. So from that perspective, uh, being a you know being a smoker, not that expensive. Yeah, 50 bucks. Yeah. I'd rather have a $50 cigar than a... Three hundred dollars shot. Uh, have you had a shot of Louis XIII? No, but it no. can't be that good. It doesn't gonna... last that long either. So it's Scotch, yeah. So I'm like, all right, we'll buy these shots because obviously I had to. It wasn't my choice, and we bought them. And I'm gonna be honest, it tasted like Scotch, and I don't like Scotch. So I was just like, this is three hundred bucks, cool. What's Whatever. the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? Oh man, that's easy. So when I got drafted, I bought a Cadillac Escalade truck with the EXT. Yeah. That wasn't the dumbest thing. I mean, that's something I always wanted. I actually wrote a story about it, like, in high school, like, why I wanted a Cadillac truck. So I got that. That was cool. But I got a a pair of, you know, I got 26-inch rims on it. And, uh, you know, so it was was a black truck with black rims. And, yeah, it looked cool for the first month. But the thing with uh, 26-inch rims is the fact that you have to ride low-profile tires. Well, if you hit a curb, if you hit a pothole, it's going to mess up your tire. It's going to mess up your rim. So in Jacksonville, especially uh, Bowden Road, if anybody's listening, <laughs> stay off Bowden Road. But I probably jacked up my rims, I don't know, three or four times I had to get them replaced. So when it was all said and done, it became a very, very expensive uh, collection I had of just used rims. So that's one of the dumb things. That was definitely a dumb thing. Yeah, I'd have to think a little bit harder about my own question. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. I didn't sign, <laughs> sign probably to what you signed on, so I didn't think about <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get that NFL contract. Yeah. I didn't get that NFL money. Yeah. So I couldn't just go outrageously. But I might buy that fifty dollars cigar today, so that might jump right up to the top. Yeah, might, well, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be worth the smoke. I mean, I'm not sure if you're a connoisseur. You said you don't really smoke them, but I assume it's going to be a, a treat for you. Yeah, probably would be. Some, <laughs> some. It, it is kind of. I would say probably I've spent 
some ridiculous amount of money on like a round of golf or something like that where people be like, really? You, and even that, I haven't spent a ton, but there's a couple of times I've spent probably more than most people uh, uh, would. So uh, we are talking a little bit college basketball, and we are at Aroma Cigar Bar. Come on out, check it out here on ESPN 690, Action Sports Jacks, on a Friday in beautiful Jacksonville. What a really good day it is uh, here in Jacksonville. We'll be hockey tonight at the Jacksonville Iceman ESPN 690 night, so come on out to that. The Iceman, uh, with a good performance last night, big win. Not necessarily from the numbers a playoff clinching win, but darn close. So uh, hopefully they get a win tonight and really uh, put a bow on being able to go to the postseason for the first time in franchise history, obviously just year two of the Jacksonville Iceman. You brought up a good question before the break on Duke. Do people actually find Duke somewhat lovable because of Zion Williamson? And you brought up a couple of guys. Listen, it's not just Christian Leitner. No, Christian Leitner is the poster child of it. Uh, Danny Ferry. Yep, <laughs> remember? I remember. Uh, what was the, what was the, uh, Dun Levy Jr. Remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember yeah, him did. from. Yep. You know, Shashevsky has a little bit of that. True. You know, and in terms of the non-appeal, and uh, and you mentioned Grayson Allen, of course. So yeah. I mean, they go every generation, every decade, every four years, they've got a guy, and it's just Duke. Listen, I I, I was the same way. When, when I'm growing up watching college basketball, I don't like Duke. Mm-hmm. I don't like him at all. I mean. They are uh, they are the New York Yankees. I don't like the Yankees. They, they are the Dallas are. Cowboys. I don't like the Cowboys. So I, th- from from a college basketball standpoint, I didn't like Duke. I, more so than I didn't like North Carolina. I will say I've softened on that a little bit for a couple of reasons. One, I got a chance to go watch a game at Duke, and it's pretty cool. Uh, I do think the Grayson Allen factor that you've you kind of you know a guy from here and he's going to play there. I mean, you want to root for him and and take away all the tripping stuff and the controversy stuff. You just open. I mean, his freshman year, he stole the show and and oh, led to a national yeah, championship. Well, he, he beat the Wisconsin Badgers single handedly. Yeah. So I know all about that. Yeah. So so I mean, that was cool. Like that almost says, all right, that's cool. That's really. And, and if you go to Duke and you see a basketball game, it's it's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are a lot of places around the country like that: Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina. But I haven't been to all those, so I have an appreciation, I guess, that I didn't have before. For Duke, and then even Christian Leitner. Leitner's a guy who lives in Ponte Vedra. Leitner's a guy that a lot of people love to hate. Leitner's been really good to us. He's come on our shows on TV before, and and we've done some stuff with Leitner, and he's always good and gets back, and and that's the greatest college basketball player of all time. Yeah. And he kind of and he lives here now. So I mean, I even embrace Leitner. Who does that in college basketball, right? Yeah. So the uh, so that Duke hate thing for me is certainly waned. Um, but your point well, is right on the money. Most you get people to see do. It from, from the broad spectrum. That's right. Most people especially with social media these days. And, yeah. and because they're good, and they're always good. Mm-hmm. And, and now they've changed from being the, the team that will have a Grayson Allen there for four years or late in their four Final Fours to now they're in the one-and-done game, just like Kentucky's in the one-and-done game and so many other teams. But Zion Williamson does change that. Zion, how do you not like Zion Williamson? You appreciate the heck out of his talent, but you could do that with Leitner and Grayson Allen and Danny Ferry and all these others. And even though this guy's talent might be different than all of them, you appreciate it. But, you know, he gets fouled on a play last weekend. They don't call it, right, the the one against uh, UCF. Yeah. And 
and it, it was clearly a foul. Oh, absolutely. And they don't call it. Yeah. And he's smiling down the court. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you guys missed that one. <laughs> but, yeah. but he's not like arms up in the air well, complaining. in a tournament game. I mean, yeah. it's crazy, man. <laughs> and so, I mean, that, that's cool to see. You know, it's cool to see a kid just having fun out there playing. I think there's a little bit of it that he thought it was almost taken away from him for a bit because of that almost injury. Oh, yeah. uh, injury, but really almost a devastating injury. And, uh... Yeah, I think he, he transcends the game. He transcends even the hate of Duke right now. I thought you bring up a really good point. And I'm not sure people are rooting for Duke, the school, Duke, the, the uh, logo. But I do think people are rooting to see Zion Williamson yeah. tonight, Sunday, and then next week in the Final Four. I think that's legit. Yeah, and listen, and uh, I mean, growing up as a kid, like either it's like you mentioned, the New York Yankees, either you were a diehard Duke fan and you defended him, you, you took all the scrutiny, or you weren't, you hated him, you hated him with a passion, you know, and that's kind of the way it's always been. Well, then, you know, enter social media and whatnot, and I think it even started maybe with Austin Rivers a little bit. I remember him, and, dude, Austin Rivers did nothing wrong at all. I actually respect him as an NBA player. I think he's great. Um, obviously, his dad's Doc Rivers and everything, but, like, people wanted to hate on Austin Rivers just because I guess he was, like, you know, he was the guy at Duke, and that was kind of the thing to do where the best player at Duke kind of got a lot of hate. Um, J.J. Redick, good example. And then enter Grayson Allen, you know, this past year, these past couple years. And, listen, I'm not going to hate on Grayson just because, you know, he's, he's from Jacksonville, and I ended up training with him a little bit. I thought he was a lacrosse player, and I asked him. He turned out to be a basketball player. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I was like, I got humbled a little there, and then I seen him beat Wisconsin in the tournament. I'm like, okay, so this kid's legit. Uh, I'm an idiot. But getting back to the point where, you know, when the whole tripping thing happened, I mean, social media just – set a blaze you know especially oh, yeah. on twitter and whatnot and yeah and yeah self-righteous was, social media it, it was exactly and it was hate for Grayson Allen, Allen, obviously but, but also it was hate for duke it was it was it was hate for the team that he represented i mean it was almost like like a like, like a prototypical duke move by tripping somebody yeah, you yeah. Know? as bad as that sounds well I'll go back well, to leitner in the yeah. final fours you know in the stomp and yeah but then enter zion williamson this year and you look on twitter and everyone's just posting highlights, retweeting his dunks, retweeting he chipped his tooth on a backboard or on the rim or whatever. Like, no one's talking about, like, oh, we hate Duke anymore. It's just like, dude, let's see what Zion's going to do next. So I think you mix his athleticism with his humbleness, and I literally think he's single-handedly changing how people perceive Duke. Yeah, he, really sure, he sure does. And again, this might be short-lived in that perception. You never know. But, yeah. but I think it's a fascinating point because you're that's hard to do. Like, listen, I think... Um, I think you're right. He's got like a million-dollar smile. He's got a gazillion-dollar game, mm -hmm. all those things. And he's just so different, so unique that that it does translate. And, and you push the – he could be wearing any jersey. He could be wearing anything, and you'd still marvel at it. And we don't know enough about him that we haven't fallen in any – we don't not like anything about him. I you mean, know? all we know about him is how he perceives, perceives himself in the media. I mean, I remember, you know, the whole Zion cam thing, which is ridiculous, by the way. They asked him like – they asked him – like, hey, Zion, so what do you think about the Zion cam? Because for those of you that don't know, the Zion cam basically was a camera that you could get, uh, like, like, on an app, and it just followed Zion around the whole time. And Zion had the classic response. He goes, listen, I have no feelings towards it, but my mom always told me not to worry about the uncontrollables. You know, just, That's right. just, a, just a, a fantastic answer. So, listen, is he changing the culture and the perception of Duke this year? Absolutely. Is it going to last? I don't know. But the fact that you think back, Brent, to how old you were, you hate, like, either you hated Duke or you loved Duke, and in one year, this guy has come around and really changed the whole atmosphere. I feel like anything's possible. Yeah, I, really I, do. I do too. And it's kind of remind like think about a Yankees player. 
like it's hard to hate Derek Jeter. Absolutely. Right? I'm a Red Sox guy. I mean, I covered the Yankees for a while, and I always thought in that locker room, Jorge Posada, good dude. Bernie Williams, good dude. Mariano Rivera was awesome. Uh, Derek Jeter, I'm, he never really let you get close enough to even know he was an eight-second soundbite guy. But he so, was not someone that you did not like. How do you hate Derek Jeter's game? Right? So I, I think, to me, that's interesting because then you have like a Steph Curry. See, I've, I've been a weird deal with Steph Curry. Okay. Steph Curry at times bothers me. And I don't know what it is. I think a little bit of it was I wanted LeBron to keep winning. I think LeBron's so great that I knew it was important. Titles were important. And it got to the point where Golden State is this super team, and I don't really love the idea of a super team that's put together with Durant and everybody else. But that doesn't take anything away from Curry. And Curry's fantastic, and he's great to the kids, and he's an unbelievable player, and he's a he's a great story. Yeah. And yet I had a problem with like, man, why don't I, like, love this guy like everybody else does? Shouldn't I love this guy? Shouldn't sure. I wrap my arms around this guy? I think it was more because I knew they were beating LeBron, and I kind of wanted okay. to see LeBron and Cleveland win yeah. um, deep down. Well, I mean, I wasn't, listen, super passionate about it. And I would, to the point where he did something that was a little annoying to me. Because I was already rooting for the LeBron side, then he's got that damn mouthpiece hanging out all the time. <laughs> so it was annoying as hell all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know? And yeah. so... Like, Zion doesn't do something like that. Like, no, Derek no. Jeter didn't do anything like that. Yeah. So even if you wanted to nitpick and pick apart, you could do it a little bit with Curry. For me, I could because I could validate and say, man, that stupid mouthpiece. Keep it well, in, will you? <laughs> but, I mean, it, it, you know, and to, and to touch on that point of it with the mouthpiece, I mean, I feel like that could kind of be a, like his vice. You know, it actually helps him shoot free throws because it, it, I'm Listen, I shouldn't hate Dude, the mouthpiece. No, you shouldn't. But, Brent, let me ask you this question, though. Uh, when you're comparing, you know, Steph to LeBron, do you think it's it's the styles of the way they play too? Because we think of LeBron James when you picture you picture literally him putting the team on the back, trying to you know go down the lane and slam dunking like, like you know from half court basically, like just running and, and dunking and whatnot, and you know doing all that he has to do, whether it's passing, incredible passes, or just whatever it is, being a team player, but those posterizing dunks as well. And then you have Steph Curry, who is a little more finesse, a little more smooth. And I'm not saying LeBron's not smooth, but he's a little more smooth and just um. I don't know how to describe Steph Curry's game, but obviously he lives and dies by the three-pointer. So maybe you would say like he doesn't really put the team on his back, even though he has to sometimes as well. But he like, does. A, yeah, but, it's but, different. But but I feel like you know LeBron's style it's more aggressive, it's more physical, and, and maybe absolutely maybe that's what you're trying to relate like, to. Well, into the point of listen, when people are trying, it's kind of like now what I say yesterday when we're talking Harden and Greek Freak. This is the first year in a decade that you really can't say LeBron James should be the MVP. Well, people exactly. are for you. Steph Curry, MVP. Are you serious? <laughs> Steph Curry's MVP over LeBron James? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, Steph Curry's unbelievable. But not the MVP over LeBron James. He can't do, you can't put him on Cleveland and do what LeBron James did with Cleveland. You just can't. And so maybe it came a little bit from that. But my bottom line is I should love Steph Curry. I, listen, I walked on in, in college play baseball. I got a little guy who's 82 pounds and, and almost 14 years old. I mean, that's the kind. <laughs> that's the guy you, got, you need to be watching. You should have yeah. liked the Steph Curry story out yeah. of Davidson and all that stuff. And I do. I really do. But I will say during those battles, he annoyed the heck out of me at times. <laughs> so you don't even know why it happens, I think, sure. in sports on occasion. But uh, Zion Williamson is not that way yet. Now, no. maybe when he gets to the NBA, maybe because he's a New York Nick, potentially. It's easy to hate New York stuff. True. Maybe he does something. You learn more about him story-wise, or he does something in the media that irks you or whatever. I mean, the nicest guys in the world do that 
eventually because they are so overexposed. So maybe we'll flip, but not before he exits Duke. And your point is right on the money. Right now, I don't know if people love Duke. I don't think they're buying Duke shirts, but they sure are turning the TV on and they want to see Zion Williamson play. And I think there's a heck of a lot of people rooting for Zion and Duke to win so they can watch him again on Sunday. Exactly. And speaking of Zion, too, listen, he's going to be the top pick of the draft. He has to be. I mean, there's no debate there. Where do you want to see him go? I, I wouldn't mind. Listen, do you, do you want to see me go to New York? And I do because the big New lights? York should be relevant. New York needs yeah. to be relevant. There, there's New York history. New York is the most irrelevant. New York Knicks are the most irrelevant organization, arguably, in sports. Yeah. I mean, well, let's be honest. The, the whole state is because with Brooklyn too. I mean, they're just they're irrelevant. I mean, they from a from an actual performance standpoint, they are. New York's never irrelevant to that degree. Like, the Florida Panthers in hockey are irrelevant. Like, people don't even know they still exist. They probably don't even know they have a team there across the country. But the Knicks, for what they are, the Lakers haven't made the playoffs in six straight years. That's not supposed to be the case. And I'm okay with, like, the Yankees and Red Sox and Dodgers and and St. Louis Cardinals, they should all be in the mix. They can have down years, but they should be in the mix and shouldn't go 20 years without being in the mix. Well, that's what the New York Knicks are. They are an embarrassment to the NBA right now. And so for him to go there, maybe rescue the franchise, give him a little bit of likability. I think that would be a cool thing, especially if some others join hands as well. Talk more about Duke in the NCAA tournament. Who do we have in our brackets? Uh, that is on the way. Plus, we got on a topic in football yesterday. We're going to bring it back up uh, here on the show today in terms of value in the draft and how it relates to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Love to get your thoughts on it, too. A little bit of golf, some balling and falling. We've got some special guests. Wayne Bowe, former Kansas City Chief, former teammate of Austin Lane, on the way in just a little bit. And we're going to tell you about a big event on the golf course coming up next on ESPN 690 as well. Stay with us. We're at Aroma Cigar Bar on Southside. Stop on by on your way home. We'll be here until 6 o'clock on ESPN 690. Part of the little promo to get back in. How do you like I thought that? that was you, Scott, playing that music. I'll be God's honest truth. I have no idea what's going on over here. I'm seat to my pants in it right now. <laughs> I know I've been working on the video feed. We appreciate uh, you working on that, and I think it's up and going now. I think there's a. Uh, uh, you never know with the technology, but Bring we're out here. The whiteboard. Yeah, uh, yeah we. Oh, we are, that's right. We need I to get it going because you brought the whiteboard and the marker as well. Hey, Tiger Woods uh, won his match today. That's a big deal. If you like to see Tiger play on the weekend, I think he has advanced, uh, if I'm not mistaken, now because of that W. And I do like to see Tiger play on the weekend at the match play. He uh, will march on. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane here. Scott back in the studio doing an admirable job all week long, filling up for uh, Coos, who will be back on Monday. And right now we are joined on the phone by UNF basketball golf coach. You're not the basketball coach, are you, Scott? (laughs) No, no, you you don't want me coaching basketball. I just get to go cheer on Coach Driscoll. (laughs) Scott Schroeder with us. Uh, He has the 13th ranked team in the country on the golf course. That's why he shouldn't be coaching basketball because he's pretty good at coaching the golf team. Uh, you guys playing some pretty good golf, right? Yeah, we had a nice, nice win about two weeks ago beating Wake Forest, who was fifth in the country at the time and now at the third. So, yeah, we've been on a, a little bit of a roll and hopefully uh, going to keep it rolling this weekend. 
That's awesome. And this weekend's John Haight Invitational at Sawgrass Country Club. Uh, one of my favorite people in Jacksonville, John Haight, and uh, the golf tournament has his name. That's always a huge event. You get some of the best schools in the country in the college golf scene, and they'll be at Sawgrass Country Club. Uh, tell everybody about the event and who else is coming. Yeah, so we got Sunday and Monday. We play 36 holes on Sunday. We're playing with Alabama, Auburn, and Purdue on Sunday morning, first thing off about 740 in the field also you have Clemson, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina or North Carolina State. So we've got a bunch of BCS schools which makes it great for us in our program. Um, I think the other neat part is I think the uh, if I'm not mistaken, Golf Channel starting their videoing of the, the new drive driven show where they did Oklahoma State and Oklahoma last year. This year they're doing Alabama and Auburn. So it's gonna be fun for our guys if you have the T V cameras bouncing around them as they're as they're playing this weekend. Maybe uh, you should get uh, the Golf Channel to come on over to UNF. Maybe one of the yeah, best kept that. secrets in, in college golf. Yeah, it's it's you know I'm, I'm pretty fortunate right now. Brent, I got a I got a, a team of uh, six kids that are five of them from the Jacksonville area that are six best players. So it makes it a lot of fun, and they're a bunch of great kids, and they all work their tails off. And uh, you know we've been talking for about two years now with the same group about competing for a national championship, and uh, I think they're starting to think it's a least something they should be realistic. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Something, uh, you, you know, that's, I think, uh, reasonable to discuss, too, when you get the right kids and the right team uh, and, and the talent because, you know, unlike something that's probably reasonable to discuss on the basketball floor or for some schools on, on football, I think uh, it certainly is reasonable in the sport of college golf. And you guys have always been knocking on the door of the regionals, NCAA tournament. You've been on the national seat for a long time now. But it ha certainly helps the recruiting budget when you get five out of six guys <laughs> playing. Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, I've, you know I, I, made the, uh, I made the choice about ten years ago that I just said, you know, if you look at all the great kids that have come through Jackson, Tyler McCumber and Julian Surrey and Blaine Barber, we, we see all these kids, some of them now on tours. And I said, i got to try to keep these kids here because it's a great place, and I think some of them want to stay, and we've been fortunate enough to be able to keep some of them at home. And, you know, we hope to have more in the future to keep this thing rolling for hopefully a few more years until i got to at least got to retire, you know. <laughs> you get a few more years to that. Either that or you get your daughter to continue to play well, which she is, and then maybe she can take care of you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I can't. We, we don't need to be talking about her. She's beating me in bracket pools and in golf, so it's probably the same trouble that you have. Yeah, I'm getting uh, to that point, too. Uh, although maybe I might be doing a little bit better in the bracket pool than, than all. Well, not my wife, actually. My wife has beaten me in the bracket uh, this time around. Hey, what is the big factor? Give me the difference. These guys are such good players. They will eventually go out and give it a whirl on the tour of some sort, whether it's a, a, a minor league tour, if you will, whether it's the web.com, and, and hopefully get up to the to the PGA Tour. But what is the difference between, uh, say, elite college golfers and guys that are on the PGA Tour week in, week out? Uh, is there a big difference, or is it a part of the game that really separates those guys? Uh, it's it's more mental than it is physical. I think physically, if, if you go out and you watch some of these kids that are playing this weekend, physically they can do some of the stuff that you see on TV done by Rory and, and all the other different guys. Um, but mentally, they're just they're a little bit able, the tour players are able to get into their own little world, as we call it, into that zone a little bit more often and not let things distract them. So for for a kid to make the jump from playing at UNF or any other really good school. It's a getting comfortable in those moments. You know, we're going to get to watch a lot of it this weekend with kids that are successful under those moments in the NCAA tournament and some that will fail. And that's, to me, the biggest jump. If a golfer is able to mentally handle that, that jump, then, then he's got a chance.
Yeah, very good. All right, so uh, once again, Sunday, Monday, open for people to come out and check it out too, right? Yeah, open. Anybody can come out. Progress Country Club, uh, great host. They've, they've had us now for about 18 years. And, you know, we've got a bunch of past champs. So some of these kids you'll see playing at the players in four or five years. So it's, I, we invite anybody out. The weather on Sunday is going to be awesome. And then it looks like we're going to have a little uh, nor'easter on Monday, which will make it a lot of fun for everybody that's not playing. Oh, boy. That course for the little nor'easter. Oh, man. Uh, it can be tough out there at Sawgrass Country Club. I think you're going to see a big difference in scores on Sunday and Monday, even with some of the best uh, in the country playing. And always say uh, hello to Scott Schroeder. Go out to the UNF Golf Plex, too, if you want to hit some balls. And how's the, uh, how's the, the golf plex over there? Everything's doing everything's going great. Weather's obviously this time of year having the players in March is tough business for us. You know, we just want to try to grow the game of golf here in Jacksonville, whether it's the stuff that our team does or the stuff with our facility. You know, golf's a great game. We all love it and let's just keep making it better and home of the PGA tour. Yeah, you guys do a great job of it, and you're doing a great job with UNF. Uh, the Ospreys in action Sunday and Monday. Go check them out at the John Hayden Invitational. Scott Schroeder, thanks for joining us, man. Brent, Brent, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. All right, you got it. Uh, UNF golf coach Scott Schroeder, a uh, big one coming up on uh, Sunday and Monday, the John Haight Invitational. And, hey, it is cool. You know, I talk about lacrosse at Jacksonville University. I think they can be a national champion. I think Scott has a chance, seriously, uh, to be a national champion, be a contender, if you will, on the national scene in golf. I mean, that's that's what's cool about some of the sports. You know, it's not just basketball. You can, you can have no chance at that. Yeah, no chance. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what's the chances of? I mean, yes, there's Loyola, Chicago, but George JU, Mason, JU was in the up. Final Four back in 1973. A lot's changed since then. Were they really? Or in the early 70s? Sorry. I had no idea. But oh. uh, yeah, so it's not. Uh, <laughs> you, you just can't do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, the way things are built, like especially in football and, and some of the big sports. Baseball is different. Baseball's another one. Baseball, JU, I think could. I mean, Coastal Carolina did. So it's it's fun for them to uh, be able to. Baseball, you can have a 500 record and be top 20 in the, in the nation. So <laughs> I, I really don't get it at all. But, yeah, <laughs> reach their schedule, own, I guess. Man. Strength of schedule. You play in the southeast, right, 10 man. losses is better than playing up north and having three. I guess. It's <laughs> as simple as that. Hey, Tiger Woods did win today. There's your update on the PGA Tour. Um, and that's really the only update you need. Now maybe we'll give you more of an update a little bit later on. We're going to talk some football when we come back. They'll bust a little ball and they're falling. And the falling today for me you to check out this performance I'll tell you about. It's all on the way in the 4 o'clock hour on ESPN 690, live from Aroma Cigar Bar on the south side. WOKB Jacksonville. Listen live everywhere you go on ESPN690.com. ESPN 690, a Cox Media Group station. His strength back while he practices and plays in games. He's talking about his sore right ankle, which caused him to miss two games last week and leave the game last night against the Clippers. The end of the NBA regular season is now less than two weeks away. Day two of the Sweet 16, four more games coming up tonight in Kansas City. North Carolina plays Auburn, and the Tar Heels could be without freshman forward Nasir Little with flu-like symptoms. ESPN's Jay Billis. It's a hit because they're playing Auburn, a team that likes to get up and down. So having the ability to have another superior athlete out there in Nasir Little, who's coming off a 20-point game, really starting to, to play his best basketball, it, it hurts. Jay Billis on first take. After that game in Kansas City, it's Houston against Kentucky. The other two games in D.C. tonight, Michigan State meets LSU. Duke plays Virginia Tech. Yale's leading scorer and the Ivy League player of the year, Mie Oni, will enter the NBA draft. One averaged 17 points a game this season.
The Pizzone from Pizza Hut. It's meaty, cheesy, and you know it's big. The pepperoni Pizzone is back and part of the $5 lineup. Two or more, just 5 bucks each. No one out pizzas the hut. Ask or click for offer. Product availability, prices, participation, and delivery areas and minimums vary. Delivery charges not a driver tip. You watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Now Action Sports Jacks is on your radio. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anna Jar and Levine Studios. Here's your host, Brent Martineau. Crew here on a Friday. Is that, is that Molly Crew? I think that's what like, uh, Scott. That was Molly Crew. Okay, fair enough. Didn't some other? Okay, never mind. Original song was by Brownsville, Brownsville Station. Station. Boom. Yeah. Give it to me. I would not have got that. Give it to me. I would probably not have gotten Motley Crew if uh, Scott didn't tell me. True story. So when I was a kid, I watched the Motley Crew behind the music on VH1. Yeah, yeah. And that inspired me to play the guitar. Very good. Yeah. Real you story. do everything. I do. I do. Baritone sax. Baritone sax. Little guitar. Little guitar every once in a MMA. Oh, he's a renaissance man. I am a renaissance man. Writer. I've, I've actually wrote a movie before. Well, I had to do that for class. You wrote a movie? I had to write How a, long was like it? A, I mean, I wrote like the first like four or five scenes. All right. Yeah. Has it got a chance? I mean, can we can we evolve this? I mean, do you want me to share it? I feel like someone could steal the idea then. Well, no, don't. No. I'm just know, talking about, I mean, maybe we me have and, to have lunch and evolve yeah, this Yeah, me, me and you can talk in private, maybe. and I'll, I'll share the I'll idea with you. I'll be a co-writer. Yep, we can do Add that. Add to the resume. I'm not sure if it's more of a movie or more of like a anime cartoon, but okay. we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out, Brett. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the baritone sax or the guitar for yeah. the ladies, which one uh, oh. will woo them? <laughs> well, Brent, let's be honest here. I mean... <laughs> I am a lot better at the baritone sax, to be honest with you. Uh, I have gone by the nickname Saxel Rose before, if we're being honest. I always, I always practice unprotected sax. But uh, to get back to it, uh, probably playing play the guitar would uh, be the be the one. Brand. There are some times when we're talking, and I'm you like, gosh, I hope kids aren't listening right now. What? What do I say? <laughs> well, they probably wouldn't get after that. Yeah, they wouldn't get but, anything. Yeah, uh, well, some would. So. Uh, hey, it's uh, 4 o'clock on a Friday. No better way to ring in the 4 o'clock hour than a little Motley crew, a little baritone sax, and a little happy hour horn. Do you want, do you want me to make the noise? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, it still surprises me. Grab a drink, get a shot, and tip your star tenders. And grab a Sorry. smoke. That's all I and grab a smoke as well. That's all I got today. Tim Kirchner really took it out. Of yeah, he did probably. Man. Yeah, they took it out of Scott there for a second too, but he recovered <laughs> nicely. Um, that's our first shot at Scott all week. It's three days in. Now we got to take a little. I mean, he was bound, he was bound for one, right? He's been uh, outstanding all yeah. week. Been pretty solid. Pretty solid. In like, the do you even miss Coos? Who, who's Coos? <laughs> we talking about? <laughs> Not really. Um... Uh, well, he actually he texted me. He, he went. Yeah, he did. He, he literally texted me 20 minutes ago. He goes, "Hey, dude, how was the skate?" I'm like, "I didn't get to go skating today." Ah, uh, oh, sorry. Did they, they have the baby? Not Coos, but I don't know. Whatever what? baby he was going to see. I didn't ask to tell you the truth. All right, it, it wasn't on my top priority. By the way, asking. I bet Coos is listening all the time because he's got to be bored out of his mind. Yeah, that's like then the the guy gets invited to the baby shower. 
Yeah, I've like never been to one be of those. A, That's horrible. Yeah, though. that should be like a, a ladies thing. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about a gentleman's thing for just a second. I got Jim McCarthy on the line here, and Jim is a George Mason alum with a little history lesson for us. Oh, really? Good. Okay, Jim, give it to us, man. Grant, I'm used to seeing you at UNF games, so this is a good thing. But, but, uh, and this is a no-lose situation. You, George Mason, made it to the Final Four in 2006, losing to the Gators in the semifinal. And the Gators went on, of course, to win their national championship. That was a great run. So, was not 1973. I think a number you probably just pulled out of the air. But oh I no, just, no, I was. I, I just, said. I no, said. Uh, I said Jacksonville University. Oh, not George Mason. No? So I said JU. You sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then, uh, I but, un- then I misunderstood. I misunderstood well, your comment. I said hey, I said George but, Mason as a team that was an underdog. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh, but hey, but that's a good one. It, did VCU make the Final Four? The one year, not that recently, year. Uh, not oh. that year, but recently, did they make the Final Four too? Because it's to be honest, teams. I don't know. Yeah, it's like a, like that's a good point though, Jim. Because the uh, you know even you know we were kind of talking like and obviously you know UNF is like it's really hard to win a national championship, right? I mean it, you'd oh, have to yeah. be so yeah. so good. You know Lipscomb was really yeah. good this year. Liberty was really good this year. But you bring yeah. up a good point. I mean, you can get the VCUs of the world. You can get the one-offs of George Masons and Loyola Chicago, and you can you you can maybe pull it together for one season where you have a bunch of just great talent and and make a run. I mean, it is the beauty of this tournament. It just so it feels like you got a better chance to win the lottery than win a national title at places now like. Uh, if you're in the ASUN or those kind of conferences. And Brent, to answer your question, VCU did go to the Final Four back in 2011. They're also joined by Butler, who was in the Final Four as well. Yeah. Uh, so, that's great. I, I yeah. remember that. I'm I glad you brought Butler that up, playing. though, George Mason, uh, though. That's really good. But 2006, it's, it's that, was, that was good. It's funny, too, now that, of course, VCU and George Mason are both in the same conference. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, uh, they're both in the Atlantic 10. It's tough in those middle ma- mid-majors to make it to the Final Four for obvious reasons. They're yeah, just absolutely. playing strong, stronger programs, you know, stronger teams, bigger kids, you know, all the all the things that work against them. So it's, it's yeah, hard. Jim, while we have you, and before we let you go, I uh, hope you enjoy the weekend. But who do you have winning it all in the NCAA tournament? Duke. Duke. Uh, against uh, one of my employees who uh, is a big North Carolina fan, but I've got Duke. Duke, Duke, North Carolina. That would be uh, a ratings bonanza. If that's what happens yeah, in a couple that, weeks in the well, national think, title game, yeah, that's, that's the game I hope I hope we get. I think that would be a, that'd be a barn burner. All right, it. Jim. Appreciate it, man. Thanks right. for ju- jumping in. Have a good weekend. All right. Uh, so they go. That's you know that is kind of reminiscent of those teams. There's been a decent amount of teams now. You know mm-hmm. the other part of this is the one and dones. If you build a team that's old and that's veteran, four years, five year guys, yep. and you're able to then I think. You, you don't still have the talent of the, the Kansas, Kentucky Dukes, but you have that experience that can really pay off in the tournament. And um, that's, I think, why those teams have made runs. It, it's not like those are freshman and sophomore-laden <laughs> teams uh, at George Mason and VCU and Loyola Chicago. I mean, they have a lot of veteran presence. Hey, want to talk some football. Uh, we always talk football. want to talk football, and it's taken us a while to get to football. But you brought uh, in the point yesterday that... You know, we were talking with John Bachman, actually, stopped by and talking about value. And we're stuck on the value and the tight end and the right tackle and, uh, you know, what positions you can take where. And you wanted to expand upon that as much. But I wanted to – we always hear this. We hear best player available, need. 
And the beautiful marriage in a draft is when need meets best player available. I think you're going to be very hard-pressed this year to find the Jags at number seven getting need to meet best player available. So the Jags will have to make a decision. Do we go with best player available, which likely would land you at a defensive player of some kind, mm -hmm. or do you go with need, which then you can debate and argue value, and that comes into oh, the tight end and right tackle. You said that word. See, the, the, the V word, Brent, is absolutely driving me insane. I know it. Uh, listen, it's, I, it's I agree with wall. you, but I'm just telling you, they have a hard time pulling the trigger on those kind of positions. They do. No, and I understand that, and I feel like the national media and even fans. So listen, I've always, I mean, I've always followed the draft. I followed the combine, obviously, but seeing how I started working with ESPN 690, I've, I've had to keep my ear to the ground a little closer, especially involving the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's who we're covering. So this whole time that I've been, you know, seeing these prospects, trying to gauge of who the Jaguars could take and whatnot, I mean, you know, it, it's really come down to a few things. Obviously the tight end with TJ Hawkinson, or who knows, maybe Noah Fant. And then it's been the tackle. Uh, Juwan Taylor's been a really popular opinion with, with the national media. Mel Kuyper, um, everybody basically. I think Pete Prisco even had him uh, from CBS Sports. And then, you know, kind of a, I don't want to say a dark horse, but another uh, possibility too would be like an edge rusher. And there's the small percentage, I think, well, maybe another three technique. Why not? Let's get Ed Oliver in there, you know, from Houston. Let's get another three technique in the, on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Listen, and the whole time, because... I've been a proponent of taking a pass catcher, whether that's the best wide receiver available or whether that's the best tight end available. Because let's be honest, the way the draft is probably going to shake down with the Jaguars is they're probably going to have their pick of the best pass, pass catcher available, most likely being a tight end. Um, you know, DK Metcalf is probably the best receiver available. I don't see him going top ten, to tell you the truth. Yes, he's got the speed. He's got the, you know, he, he, he has the chassis, if you will, but uh, from a, terms of agility, from footwork. Um, it's just not there. So I love the chassis. Word. That's chassis. good. Way, good, yeah. good way to describe a, uh, an athlete. There like you it. go. There you go. So getting back to the point of a uh, pass catcher, well, then one's got to say, well, let's go tight end. And when you bring up tight end, when you bring up Hawkinson, I hear, well, that's not a good value pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's not a good value pick. And it's driving me crazy because, listen, if you play with the value, I feel like that's playing it safe, and this team cannot afford to play it safe. Look no further than last year. You want to talk about value for a second? Look at the Indianapolis Colts, what they did last year. They took Quentin Nelson at number six, who was an offensive guard. That's almost unheard of these days. And granted, he was a, a great prospect coming out of college. But I remember watching the draft thinking the experts saying, ooh, a guard at number six. I mean, there's so many, hill, there's so many holes to fill in Indianapolis. Why would you take a guard at number six? That wasn't a good value pick. Then who else did they took? They took Brandon, Brandon Smith. At number 37 overall, another guard. And what happened with him? He ended up playing right tackle because of injuries and whatnot. Started 12 games for the Indianapolis Colts. So they took two guards in the top 37 overall. That's that's not a value play, but that was what they needed. They had to address the offensive line because they got Andrew Luck, I think one of the most, be uh, I don't want to say elite. Uh, you know what? I might say elite, Brad. He is elite. Yeah, that's, I call him elite. Uh, one of, one of the best healthy, quarterbacks, exactly. One of the best quarter, and you said it. If he's healthy, well, they had to adjust offensive line, obviously. Yeah. So, uh, you have one of the best quarterbacks in Andrew Luck, and you looked what your team needed, and you drafted that. So now let's let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a second. Do they need another offensive lineman? Probably. You know, I mean, I think they have some depth. Uh, you said it yourself, Brent. We don't think that the offensive line is as bad as people say. We have to remember there's a lot of injuries involved in that. Now, can Cam Robinson come back? 
um, you know, and kind of build up what he's done in his career. I mean, you know, knee injury is always serious, especially on the offensive line, but I think he can, especially nowadays. It's not like back in the old day you had ACL and, oh, you're out for a whole year. I mean, technology has advanced in that aspect. So I look at what the Jaguars need, and listen, I I, I see the tight ends. I see Swam from Dallas, who I'm going to be honest, I don't know a lot about the guy. I mean, uh, I followed him in fantasy, and I don't know a lot about the guy, you know? So from that aspect... We need a tight end just for well, the, the Jack the Jaguars need a tight end just for the fact that that's what Foles is used to. That's what Foles is accustomed to. That's what he needs. Yes, he needs an offensive line to keep him upright, just like any quarterback needs that. But I'm talking about from a weapon standpoint of what the Jacksonville Jaguars need. I think tight end is numero uno right now. Well, let me tell you, ask you this real quick. Then we got to take a break, and we'll get back to this. Uh, you know, we'll talk about it for the next month, really, but maybe even a little bit later on in the show. Uh, if I'm just going to give you two spots. Forget about the defensive guy. The defensive guys are most likely highly rated and higher rated than a lot of these guys. But if you have Jawan Taylor at number five on your board and you have TJ Hawkinson number eight on your board, in terms of, I'm talking about best players. Mm-hmm. Like I project Jawan Taylor to be a perennial pro bowler and I project TJ Hawkinson to be also a perennial pro bowler but maybe just a notch below Jawan Taylor. Who are you taking? I'm, th- I'm taking T.J. Hawkinson because tight end needs to be addressed, and it's hard to address that past the third and fourth rounds. Same thing with offensive tackle, but history has shown that you can take tackles later in the round and have success with them, as opposed to tight ends who, besides George Kittle, I can't think of another tight end that went past the third round that has really done anything in the past couple years. The, 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 uh, it's an interesting theory, and one thing, you, if you're an offensive line guy, Keep in mind what Sal Palantonio and others have said since Nick Foles signed here. He gets it out quick, two and a half seconds. Do you need the offensive line as much as you think you do? You do need a playmaker and a tight end in Nick Foles and, and John DeFilippo offense. We do know that. We got balling and falling when we come back. Stay with us here on ESPN 690, live from Aroma's Cigar Bar on the south side. Come over and say hello. Hey, it's Mike Golick from Golick and Wingo. You're listening to Action Sports Jack with our friend Brent Martineau on ESPN 690. Happy Friday, everybody, in Jacksonville, Florida, all the way from Charleston, South Carolina, really to Melbourne, Florida. That's where this signal lands us on ESPN 690. You can listen up and down the coast of uh, Florida and into Georgia and and even South Carolina. So tune us in on ESPN 690. And uh, if you're listening at the office, ESPN690.com. And, of course, you can always check out all the video platforms on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and on Twitter as well. We are live at Aroma Cigar Bar because it's Stogie Fest weekend. StogieFest.com for more of the details. And right now we have Aaron joining us to, with, to fill us in on some of the details. This sounds like it's going to be a fascinating and fun Sunday afternoon here uh, on the south side. It normally is. We have a really great time. The weather looks perfect. Uh, we're going to have anywhere from 15 to 20 different uh, sponsors that are going to come out and be passing out cigars. This is an event that we've done for many years. I've been the title sponsor for many years. Uh, it's always an honor. You always make really great people, make some new friends. People come in from all over the nation, and uh, we're, we're glad that you're here. Uh, it's fun to be here and good to be here, and I know there's a party tonight, party Saturday, <laughs> and it all leads up to this uh, to this event. The cigars and smoking cigars and hanging out yeah. with people, it's just kind of 
we were talking about earlier in the sports world, it's cigars and champagne, you know, and you win titles. That's what people do. That's you know? really nice. It, it, it makes, that's, that's not a bad thing, right? <laughs> kind of brings a smile to your face, makes yeah. it, has a, have a little fun, right? Yeah, it kind of has yeah. that sense, yeah. even on Sundays. I think cigar smoking these days um, is enjoyed by all. A lot of women are involved in that. Um, women drink um, scotch and bourbon and enjoy smoking cigars, and it, it's no longer your father's cigar experience anymore. Nowadays, it is a nice way to sit down. You know when you're smoking a cigar, you have 45 minutes to an hour to get to know people, relax, chill out. So um, I know that we're probably going to smoke way more than one cigar on <laughs> Sunday and throughout the weekend, but it's uh, I agree. It's, it's an enjoyable experience. Aaron from Investor Financial, the title sponsor of Stogie Fest. And uh, again, check it out, stogiefest.com. I heard there's not a ton of tickets of it, uh, left, so yeah, it's you capped. should go get it, right? Yeah, there's more general admission than there are VIP, I guess. So a lot of people know that the VIP is well worth it. Uh, the event tonight and tomorrow night is uh, VIP only, uh, whereas general admission is the day of. But uh, it's a great value either way. And um, hope everybody will come out and enjoy. All right. Thanks for joining us. Good luck with the event. Thank you. All right. Uh, and Aaron from Investor Financial, uh, title sponsor of Stogie Fest. And, again, they're going to be right out here on uh, Southside. Uh, tents are going to be lined up, cigars everywhere, and uh, you can try them all, different ones and sponsors. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun at Aroma Cigar Bar. already is, and I think they're just prepping for it tonight. We're told the uh, 7 o'clock party tonight, VIP party, then again tomorrow. But check out more of the details, stogiefest.com, if you uh, want to get Involved. It's time for a little balling and falling here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. And I'm going to get it going because uh, Tony Roca has been hanging on the phone for a minute. I've got a phone call to back up my balling today. Okay. Austin, all right. Okay. Bringing the big gun. Yeah, I am. Uh, let's welcome in Tony right now. And here's the deal. He's a senior pitcher from Ponte Vedra High School. Okay. Last night against Menendez, yep. struck out 19. Excuse me? 19. Then they play seven innings. How many innings? I was going to say, it's like so, a 20-inning game? So you do the math. That's 21 outs. Yeah. That's 19. Tony, what's up, man? Look at that heat. How's it going? Hey, congratulations. I'm assuming that's your best performance? <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say so. It, 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 it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Very uh, modest, I Yeah, see. that's pretty modest. <laughs> now, my coach was telling me earlier today that you actually had a four-strikeout inning, so that kind of helped it along. Uh, that's always pretty unique, right? Yeah, I had a four-strikeout inning. That was in the, I'm not sure what inning it was, but uh, just took a bad hop on a curveball in the dirt. Um, and I uh, just got past a catcher, bad hop on the ground, and uh, yeah, I thought a four-strikeout inning happens. All right, Tony Roca with us from Ponte Vedra High School. Uh, coming off a 19-strikeout performance. He's my balling today here on Action Sports Jacks. And uh, a couple more questions. You're a UNF commit, right? Uh, or yes, sir, I am. Not a line to go to UNF? Yes, sir. Fly, Osprey, fly. Yeah, you looking forward to that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Got to be looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, how much uh, last night in that game, are you a guy that do you kind of know, okay, I've got some pitches working, and I know the strikeouts are starting to pile up. Does it even hit you? Did you have to ask somebody, or did somebody tell you later on, like, hey, Hey, dude, you got like 12 strikeouts or 15, or now you got 19 at the end of the game. Uh, no, not really. It's just, I just go out there, I have to do my business, uh, keep the intensity up, and just basically want to keep runs as low as possible. And uh, basically, that's it. Just uh, 
keep the mindset of a good intensity out out there. What's uh, the the previous high strikeouts in a game? Do you remember, do you know? Uh, no, I'm not sure. No. I like it. That's good. Don't even like know it. the numbers. Doesn't even know. Doesn't we got to dig care, deep man. on the research. Just going about his business. I respect that. All right. I want to see if I'd be able to hit you. So give you're a lefty. <laughs> uh, I'm a lefty. Uh, uh-huh. Nothing. Nothing like a power hitter though. So uh, I might lay a bunt down the a drag bunt. Can you get off the mound? Oh yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, uh, and... Hopefully you'll be able to uh, bunt off me. What? Say that again. I don't think you'll be able to bunt off me. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Confidence. Probably right. Uh, otherwise, I'll, I'll have to probably just bloop one over the third base side. But what do you, your fastball, uh, I hear in the upper 80s, uh, you mm-hmm. talked about the curveball. Is that your out pitch, or do you have another pitch, too? Uh, my cutter, I, I fastball, cutter, uh, curveball, change, change out, four wow. pitches. Four pitch guy. Um, so mm-hmm. everything was working last night, I'm assuming. Uh, fastball and curveball were primi- primary pitches last night. Those were uh, those were working great. Good. One last question for you on that front. Uh, it was a 1-1 game uh, pretty late, the way I understand it. Did that kind of help you keep the focus and, and kind of have a performance like that? Yeah, I just um, – it was a uh, – we were losing actually 1-0 until – I forgot what inning. But uh, I just – I don't let anything phase me. I just – Go out there, do my business, as I said, and that's all it is. I know someone who's excited about that 19 strikeout performance. That's Tim Parent, the head coach of the UNF Ospreys, and uh, you'll be on mm-hmm. campus next year. Good luck uh, in your college career. I'm sure we'll keep up with you, but good luck the rest of the way. I know you guys play Menendez again today. Yes, sir. Thank you for having right. me. Thanks, man. One, man. Tony Roca from Pontevedra High School calling in after a 19 strikeout performance against Menendez yesterday. That is pretty good stuff. We have a lot of good pitching around the area. 19 strikeout performance is uh, pretty sensational. Uh, good win for the Sharks last night, but that's my balling. Two things, though. I mean, that was a great balling. Uh, I don't know we're making phone calls now for a hey, listen, phone a friend if you need to. I guess so. Uh, two things for that conversation, though. Number one, super humble kid. I yeah, mean, yeah. he's really got a great mindset. I'm all about it. Number two. Wasn't so humble when it came to striking you out. No, he, he was wasn't. Confident he was abilities. pretty confident in that. So what does that say about you as a batter, Brett? And I listen, guess the kid's not really intimidated. I wanted this segment to be all about Tony, yeah. so I didn't want to go back and forth well, with that. Well, let me it tell a... you this, Tony. <laughs> I'm coming after you. I'm coming out to Ponte Vedra High I love School, it. I love and it. I'm going to throw a double into the gap, and if I can't do that, I'm laying down that damn drag bun. And I'm promoting it. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> all right. Let's go to my ball. And listen, I, if we're making phone calls, I would have called it my boy Ed Oliver from Houston, <laughs> baby. Uh, one of the best defensive linemen prospects in this year's draft. 36-inch vertical, 32 reps on the bench press, a 4-7-40, weighing almost 290 pounds. Oh, what's up? You're not impressed yet, Brent? Well, guess what? Go on his Instagram for a second and see what he's doing. The guy is standing on top of a horse balancing himself, wearing a Canadian tuxedo. What's a Canadian tuxedo, the people in the South might ask? He is wearing a denim jacket and denim pants. Straight denim everywhere. Uh, Props to him. I can't, I mean, Brent, you got to see this picture, man. I I can try to describe it to you, but some things you just got to see. It's kind of like the Mona Lisa, but this dude who's 290 pounds is standing on top of a horse, balancing. By the way, I have a couple questions here. Hit me with them. Is PETA going to be called? I don't think so. Uh, 290-pound guy standing on a horse. That's a little more than a jockey. Well, spoiler alert, Brent, it's a pretty big horse he's standing yeah, on. Yeah, well, horses are heavy, yeah. um, and they're big usually. And then the other thing is, you're giving him balling. Yeah. I got a feeling he's kind of like 
what the heck are you doing? You're three look, weeks look. away from, a month away from the NFL Fred, draft, and you're standing no, on top no, of a horse? No, th- see, this is a statement. Look at this right here. I got the picture right here. That's a statement. He's like, I better be going number one. I'm standing on top of a horse. How impressive is that? What if he falls? Are you not impressed? I'm impressed, but what don't if he falls? Don't be a stick in the mud. Don't be a hater. This is about social media. This is about marketing, and this is about endorsements. By the way, the guy's a genius. Move over Brett Favre. He's got the Wrangler commercial all tied <laughs> That's up. That's a good point, man. <laughs> right? He's doing a Denim truck commercial. Dan coming at you. And ya. he's doing a, a, a Wrangler commercial. Denim Dan. All right, I got to fall in, and then we're going to head to a time. We got Dwayne Bow on the other side, by the way, your former teammate with the Kansas be, City fun. Chiefs. And I think it's going to be cool to catch up with him because of what he's doing now. If you don't know, we'll tell you about it on the other side. My fallen is simple. Hey, listen, I'm going to tout the Red Sox. I'm going to brag about the Red Sox when they do well. But last night was not a good opening night. I'm not panicking or anything, but they were falling. Chris Sale, they just signed a five-year Sale. deal, man, yeah. for a bunch of money, and he had a miserable performance out west against Seattle. Again, it's game one. I'm not worried about it, but the bottom line is it was terrible. So uh, he is fallen. Uh, Tim Beckham, by the way, had two home runs against him. He was balling. Uh, so, last night for the Mariners. Just to let you know, every time that Chris Sale gets brought up in our conversation on a radio show, I'm just going to say, Sale! Sale! Because that's going to be the, the, you know, for, obviously for the band, AWOL Nation, of their song. Scott's hey. hurrying you out of here. What do you have for following? Yep, I got a quick fall on your boy Bob Costas on his oh. uh, Sirius XM. Completely oh. thrashed the handling of the MLB playoffs last year. He quote, he was quoted saying, when you have, college, when you have a college football game, in uh, an outcome that I can't remember, instead of the Game 7 of the LCS, you got a big problem. Another quote by Bob Costas, how the hell can you have Game 7 of the LCS between the Brewers and the Dodgers? One step from the World Series beyond FS1. Yeah, I agree which, my, which many casual fans don't have, a, don't have or don't know where to find it. So Bob Costas throwing some shade at Fox Sports 1 and... Uh, well, the MLB. Yeah, basically. I still wonder if, if, if he gets a, like a front office position at some point, Bob Costas. He's always been big into baseball. Oh, They've rumored him as a commissioner yeah. at times. Costas really big into baseball, and I, I can't disagree with his points there. He's I'm awesome, but I just remember him from the Olympics with his pink eye. Like, that's, that's, it, it's sad, but just uh, so funny. All right. Uh, when we come back on ESPN 690, Action Sports Jacks rolls on. Dwayne Bow, the former Kansas City Chief wide receiver, joins us next. You watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Now Action Sports Jacks is on your radio. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anna Jar and Levine Studios. Here's your host, Brent Martineau. We are live at Aroma Cigar Bar on the south side. Stogie Fest this weekend. A big day on Sunday. Check out stogiefest.com for more information. Jacksonville Iceman hit the ice tonight and fresh off a win in Greenville. They got back in about 5 o'clock this morning and then they'll lace it up and play again uh, tonight ESPN 690 night. So come out and see us. We'll be there. Looking forward to the game. Bringing the family. Absolutely. Got the wife and uh, my son Ronan coming. So he's He's, I think, more excited than anybody, to be honest with you. He, he can't wait. How old is Ronan? Ronan is four years old. Four, right? Just yep. turned four. Yeah. Uh, is he into sports yet? Yeah. I mean, you know, so like at that age, uh, they can start, it's like flag football, soccer, so we're probably going to get him into that stuff. We had him in karate a little bit, which he loved, but um, he's a big wrestling fan, too, obviously, because of his old man. But, uh, yeah, he loves all sports. He loves running around playing. He loves going to sporting events. Like I said, went to the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp game, and the mascot scared the hell out of him, so we haven't been back to one of those yet. But I feel like the Iceman, I'm not sure who their mascot even is. I haven't seen the mascot. I feel like he's going to be a little more um, less timid than the than the crustacean is. And you got to bring the whiteboard tonight. 
Right. I have to What's bring the, the whiteboard, whiteboard Ben. Go. What do you got? Well, no today I was trying to give our uh, money bow. Dwayne Bow. Yep. As it, well, it used to be Dwayne Bow. Now it's uh, Money Bow. Money Bo. going by. Well, he's so uh, expected. We're scheduled to have him, so we'll see uh, if he gives us a shout. Uh, but he's been in the area. I think he was promoting some things, and and we're like, hey, you know what? You played with him. Let's get wrap him. Let's try to get him in. Yep. And he left the studio too quickly to get him in yesterday. But uh, we're hoping that he'll uh, give us a buzz here today in just a short time. Uh, so what's the uh, fatherly – I never really thought about this. Like, I never attacked this from a, hey, it's my duty to get my kids involved in sports or something else. Yeah. But it just kind of was, like, natural. First of all, like, Ty especially right off the rip at three years old was, like, watching. And you could tell. Like, it, But I never like, – we went to his first practice, and I had no idea if he was left-handed or right-handed at five years old. Okay. Because he could throw a baseball left-handed. Sure. And I'm lefty. Yep. And Kaylee was definitely lefty. Like, yeah, Kaylee's full lefty. Yeah, a lot of lefties. So, but then he started to, like, write or color or and brush his teeth with his right hand. Mm-hmm. And so, honestly, he could throw left-handed and right-handed, and you couldn't tell the difference. Um, so, I actually went to his first practice, uh, Mills Field, over there on Racetrack Road. I'll never forget, because it was freezing, the yeah. practice day. And... I gave the coach, I was like, here's two different gloves. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea which one he is. Yeah. It's like, you figure it out. Yeah. And, of course, like every dad wants their kid to be a lefty yeah. because of the pitching, right? Yep. So you kind of tie the hand behind the back and, and hope that he throw left-handed. But that wasn't the case. Like, he literally would pick it up and throw lefty. And I don't know if it was because he watched us throw or maybe Kaylee was throwing that way. Uh, well, it turns out he threw righty but batted lefty. And See, even in ping pong today, he can play left and right. He will he will literally switch his hands on the paddles, and he can play both sides. That's how it was for me with hockey um, when I first started playing because I swing a golf club right-handed. Um, I'm right-handed in general. So, obviously, logic would tell you to get a right-handed hockey stick. And for whatever reason, like, I just I didn't feel right, you know. Like, I was having trouble with coordination and whatnot. And granted, I was a tall kid, so I probably had coordination problems regardless. But I even had more coordination problems trying to incorporate my stick to skating. So one day the coach was just like, you might be a lefty. You should try a left-handed stick. So I ended up getting a left-handed stick. I'm sure my mom was really impressed with that, the fact that we spent all this money on a right-handed hockey stick. Then we had to take it to play it against sports and then get a left-handed one. But, yeah, once I was a left-handed uh, you know, uh, player or whatever, then it, 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 everything became a lot easier to me. So um, it's funny how those things kind of happen. As far as my son's concerned, I mean, he's both righty and lefty right now. Is he? Uh, I'm kind of getting the sense that he wants to play football for sure because that's all he ever talks about. Does he? And it's okay. funny because, you know, I mean, the, kid's, the kid just turned four, so he doesn't get, like, how the NFL works. So, like, he thinks that the Jaguars play every single week, uh-huh. you know? So he's like, can we go to the Jaguars today? I'm like, sorry, bud. Like, they, I always tell him they're on vacation. They're, they're, not, they're on vacation. He's like, oh, okay, maybe yeah. next week. I'm like, they're on vacation At times, at times you could say they're on vacation during the season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Socks have been fired by Brent Martin. Hey, those dog days yeah. are over. Exactly, man. Has some optimism. So, uh, and thankfully, he hasn't had to. You know, he's four years old, so he doesn't comprehend winning and losing yet, really. So, uh, that's cool, though. That he's into it. Years the Jaguars can get it together. That's that's good. That'll be cool. So, okay. So the other part of it. See, you like the Marvel stuff, right? And the uh, uh, the Spider Mans and the Supermans. Everything. Yeah. So I I feel like there's a sense that I've failed as a parent because I got like zero interest like really? star wars all that stuff like yeah. i just it's not me i'm all all the power to you i'm not uh, no, i'm sure. not hating on anybody i love i know there's a lot of people that do i'm actually hating more on me that i don't really i'm not into it yeah. and so therefore unfortunately for tyler and kaylee 
They're probably not into it unless they find it with a friend or something like that. You know that. But I feel like I failed a little bit because it's it's almost like you probably should expose them to like how do you not expose them to Star Wars? I mean, yeah, every parent's different though. I mean, like. Listen, I'm, I'm I'm a child at heart. Like I still watch cartoons till this day, and I'm proud to say it. So like me and my son, there's a show called Adventure Time. You know what Adventure Time is? Probably not. No. Yeah, it, it's on Cartoon Network. Actually, it was like ten seasons long, and they just had like their final season this past year. It was kind of a big deal. But like Adventure Time is what we, me and my son always watch, and it's great for me because it's a cartoon. But you know, there's still like they tackle like I guess adult situations. Okay. You know, but but it's made for kids. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like, we each get something out of it. Like, he gets the cool characters, and I get the life lessons. So, Isn't that the beauty of all this stuff now? Even is. the Disney movies have really innuendos, is. like, for yep. the parents. and Exactly. And all, like, whether it's South Park that looks like a cartoon. Now, well, that's South a little Park, different. But yeah, we're not, we're not on that's South That's a little Park, over, yeah. the, over yeah. the, the, overboard. But, yeah. you know, you get my point. I think they all cater to both. Yeah. Not all, but now a lot of them. But you've also got everybody really under the sun trying to get onto those shows, doing cameos, doing voice work, uh, all really? kinds of all-stars participating in it. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, why don't you have a role yet? I was gonna say we should get some kind of like ESPN 690 cartoon thing for the kids going on or something. <laughs> really, <laughs> interview the South audience. Park cows, man. Uh, South Park cows. Now we're talking. Now nice listen, if we created our own cartoon, that would be pretty good. Well, like I said, you might man, be onto something. You've uh, got a four or five episodes already written. It sounds well, like. Well, I have the script, um, but it, it's it's more of an adult kind of. It's it's definitely not a kids thing that well, I have. That's okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> You're proving that not the even. adults like cartoons too. That they do. <laughs> That they do. Hey, uh, when we come back, uh, we'll talk a little more football with or without Dwayne Bowe. We may have him on uh, waiting for a phone call from him, the former chief and uh, former teammate of Austin Lane. Should be fun to catch up with him. But either way, we'll talk more football. We have to stay in your lane. We have a whole other hour to go. And an interview with a local Florida Gator trying to make it in the pros. All on the way to wrap up. And we have some games, too. Don't forget as well. It might be a little game. Games and gamesmanship, live from Aroma Cigar Bar on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Come say hello on the south side. Why sit in traffic? Just pull off and stop by and have a smoke and say hello. Hey, this is Dennis Anderson, the driver of Gravedigger, the baddest monster truck in the land. You're listening to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Call it riding the crazy train or riding the gravy train. I'm sorry. Yeah, Pink Floyd, man. Don't be sorry. Do you know how you know it's Pink Floyd? Uh, yeah, I did because yeah. Scott told me earlier. Oh, I got you. <laughs> Call it riding the gravy train. You a yep. uh, big Pink Floyd fan? Top five of all time in my book. Really? Yep. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to ask you your top five. Save it for a rainy day. Okay, sounds good. How did you come up with your top five? Uh probably just bands I listen to the most, or okay. musicians. Mostly um, played. Spoiler alert, my mom can't stand Pink Floyd. So, uh, I grew up in a house, so like my stepdad, lo- my stepdad got me into Pink Floyd. My mom cannot stand Pink Floyd. Really? Yeah. She's, Why? She, because she calls it stoner music. <laughs> so like whenever I used to come back home for college, I'd pay Pink Floyd. I'm sure she was worried that Austin was hitting the narcotics a little bit, even though I wasn't. But I just like the music. <laughs> come on, Mom. <laughs> what did Mom play in the house? Oh, mom's all about R&B. Mom's like, Keith Sweat, 
Luther Vandross, uh, Babyface, all that stuff. Charlie Wilson. I'm trying to think. My mom played, uh, she loved Barbara Streisand. Okay. And Wind Beneath My Wings, right? No, that's uh, Bette Midler. Bette Midler, I'm sorry, from Beaches. By the way, I want credit for that. That was quick. Didn't even have to that Google Yeah, it. I'm, I'm going to want your man card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to be bragging about Bette Midler, Brett, but all right. Hey, listen, I, <laughs> I brag about any time I get one of those things right. And I did have two sisters oh, as well. Oh, so, sure. Uh, yeah, I probably heard a lot of that stuff. Uh, okay, fair defense. Barbara Streisand, and you know the one I remember all the time my mom playing is Carly Simon. Huh. Yeah, Carly Simon. And uh, what's the other one? The, the the same name as the Virginia coach, to, uh, Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. Oh, yeah. What are um, they call, is he the – what's his nickname? I don't know. All right. Whatever. But but anyway, that's what I remember. In, okay. In my, like that kind of music. So I got you. Uh, well, it certainly and, wasn't Pink Floyd. Well, and it's funny because like I, we asked like what my mom played. My mom didn't really play anything in our house because she never had to say to. So she was forced to like <laughs> listen to my music, which is like Limp Biscuit and all that good stuff. I'm sorry, mom. So, well, and she always had the thing. She's like, we can listen to Limp Biscuit, but we can't talk that way at school. Like, <laughs> Sounds like a plan, Mom. Uh, as, I'm, as, as I'm hearing the F word for like the 42nd time in, in one song. But, yeah, sounds good. Is that great that art-life divide? It is, man, without a doubt. Uh, very, very good. Uh, hey, we've got, uh, we caught up with R.J. Raymond. Uh, he is a cool story. He's a Florida Gator player who's just uh, graduated and, and moving on. He was at Pro Day the other day. He's from, he went to Fletcher High School. And one of the neat stories about R.J. is, you know, he's a walk-on guy at Florida. He goes tight end and, you know, not playing a lot, all those kind of things. But you know how they do the scholarships, and they always surprise people with scholarships? Oh, yeah. Not yeah, always, yeah. but a lot of schools yeah. do, one or two of them. Mm-hmm. Well, they did it. R.J. Raymond was on the was the recipient of one this past season. Awesome. And so there was that moment, you know, and it was really cool. Oh, those things are great. Those things don't get old. You know, then they surprise the kids with the scholarship. And uh, usually deserving guys, uh, of course, getting that stuff. And R.J. Raymond certainly certainly fits the bill. But uh, we caught up with him at Pro Day the other day and and a wide variety of topics from talking about where his football future might be, the opportunity that he had to kind of work out in front of scouts anyway, where he could even project as a pro football player, uh, his time at Florida and where the Florida program is headed. Uh, Here's our conversation with R.J. Raymond. You left the Jacksonville area and, and came here. Um, this thing probably played out a little bit differently than you expected, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I came, like I, I mentioned earlier, um, my dad and I sat down and had a long talk. And um, basically he told me, whatever you put out is what you're going to get in. And that's the mindset That's that's the mindset I came in here with and, you know, earned a scholarship and just kept working and kept working, and it's led me to this point. So hopefully I can go to the next step and, uh, you know, see what happens from here but uh yeah today was great obviously you get a chance to come out here in front of coaches and scouts and all that yeah uh what's reality for you what do you think i mean what what are the hopes and dreams of where this could land you in terms of continuing to play football i just need somebody to give me a chance i'm going to take a chance on me like coach muschamp did back in 2014 um i just need one team to take a chance and then it's up to me from there and like i said i've uh i've worked my way up to this point so i don't see why i couldn't work my way into uh into the next level. And so that's just all I'm hoping for is one team to, to call me and take a chance on me, and then um, it's up to me from there. When you came here uh, that freshman year, 
I'm sure you never envisioned a pro day participation, right? Right. No, I mean, it was it was in the back of my mind. It was always a dream, but uh, never anything like this. And, um, you know, like I said, I worked hard, and um, it's led me here. So I'm very excited about it. I'm very proud of what I did here. Um, not a lot of people thought I could do it, and I did it. So um, I'm here to just prove people wrong one more time. We started the year uh, watching that video, you getting that scholarship. How much do people still talk about it? How much does it still mean to you that you had that moment? And, and all the things you just said, you really accomplished. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, people keep, you know, all the time when I'm back in town, um, man, I saw that video of you. Oh, that's RJ. You know, I saw that video of you on ESPN. And um, going back to Fletcher where, you know, it all started, just talking to those kids. The coaches are still talking about it, you know, using me as an example. Um, and that just means the world to me. Um, you know, it shows that my hard work paid off and um, people believed in me. And I believed in myself. And uh, it led me here. And it led me to that scholarship. It really helped my family out. It was just, it was awesome. It really was a, a weight off my shoulders. Um, it was cool to get, you know, school paid for and have that little extra spending money. So it was, it was awesome. I think they'll be telling that story at Fletcher for a long time. Yeah. And that, that's his, I mean, you just mentioned it, but it's got to be pretty cool uh, to leave that, that impact, even though you really haven't been there in a few years now. Right, yeah. And, uh, when I got done training up in Atlanta, I had a couple days before I came down here. And I went back there and just worked out in that weight room, just back where it all started, just get back to feeling it again. And um, got a chance to talk to some of the team. They're just in the middle of their off-season training before spring ball. So um, I got a chance to talk with them and, and share my story. And um, I really think, uh, I hope, I, I don't know if I, I did, but I hope I can inspire some kids, you know, like working out in that gym, growing up in, on 9th Street in Atlantic Beach. And, um, you know, I said, hey, guys, I know you're from Atlantic Beach. I'm from Atlantic Beach. You can do it, too. I'm, I'm about to go to Pro Day. Um, just a kid from right here in Atlantic Beach. So um, I hope I inspired some kids, and um, hopefully some kids can follow in my footsteps wherever it may be. I bet you did. Uh, hey, the NFL is obviously the big thing. But now with this new yeah. AAF and, and these spring leagues and other options, is that an option for you if if the NFL doesn't work and you have a chance to continue playing football? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think they're they're doing a great, great thing with this because – there's not really any semi-professional football leagues, if that's, that's what you want to call it, or the, the G League, if you want to call it that, for football. And I think that's what they're trying to do with this. And uh, I think it's going to give kids a great opportunity, especially with me being from Jacksonville. And if the chance comes up, not having to go all the way to Canada, away from all my family members down here in the south. So um, if the opportunity presents itself, if the NFL, just depending on how things go, I'd definitely give it a chance and uh, give it a shot and see how it goes. Lastly, uh, about this program, and now you've seen it kind of morph. What, as you kind of sit back and as you're going through this process, what changed with with Mullen? And a lot of people bring up Coach Savage mm -hmm. and uh, the weight room and those things, but. Can you simplify what changed in the last year for this program and now where you're headed, top ten and, and, and right. maybe better things ahead? Yeah. Definitely. It's the uh, it's the culture. The culture changed, holding everybody accountable for every little thing. If you miss class, if you're ten seconds late to class, the whole team's got to run for it. Just holding everybody accountable and making sure you're doing everything at full speed all the time. And um, Coach Mullen would always say his little catchphrase was uh, championship you know, having a championship mentality isn't isn't a sometimes thing. It's a way of life. And so he believes that you got to live every day, do everything that you're doing as a champion. And uh, if you do that, we're going to bring this program back to where it belongs with these numbers up on the wall. Hopefully they're going to get one this year and the following years after that. And um, I believe that's the biggest thing. It's just doing everything right, doing everything full speed, going as hard as you can, and don't leave anything out on the field, in the classroom, don't leave anything, don't have any regrets. So that's that's the biggest thing is a culture change. Well, it certainly helped you, man. Good luck the rest of the week. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's R.J. Raymond right there, uh, Florida Gator, looking to find uh, his way in the NFL if possible, but also maybe just professional football. And I think that's the fascinating part with this AAF. And now there's this little tug of war going on with the AAF, and they need the support of the NFLPA, they say. 
Uh, and, and you think of a guy like R.J. Raymond, a guy that wants to keep the dream going, wants another crack at it. I don't know if he fits in the NFL. I think it's a long shot that he gets to the NFL, but, heck, there's always long shots. Uh, I just like the idea that these spring leagues could potentially fulfill these guys that want to keep playing, that have the passion to keep playing, chase it a little bit more. And, and by the way, the AAF, you can make some decent money. I mean, if you play for the Jacksonville Sharks, I really don't know how much. I think a lot of those guys got to get another part-time job, and uh, the money's different. But AAF, man, you, you sign up for a three-year deal for two hundred and fifty grand if this thing survives. Hearing him talk, you know, I mean, it seems like a hell of a kid, you know. Yeah, I mean, good kid. You could kind of try and inspire you tell why he earned, uh, well, earned the scholarly, exactly. right? Exactly. It reminds me of a guy by the name of Jim Leonard from Wisconsin who played, uh, he was a walk-on at University of Wisconsin, came from, from a really small school. I mean, he was like a folk hero to us growing up. Ended up going to the NFL, had a great career at safety. I think he played like eight or nine seasons. Now the defensive coordinator of the Wisconsin Badgers. But my point is this. Like, when we talk about the combines, we talk about the pro days and all these interviews and whatnot, like, we measure the 40-yard dash, we measure the broad jump, we measure the vertical, I mean, we, we watch you on film and all this stuff, and it's all about these intangibles of, of numbers, of numbers of how fast you run, how strong you are, but what those numbers don't show and what's even hard to gauge in those interviews is just how bad a kid wants it. How much of a sh- of a chip does that kid have on his shoulder? And sometimes, you know, scouts make a mistake, and they'll take a guy who, uh, you know, doesn't have that want to, doesn't have that motivation, comes to the NFL and kind of f- fizzles out right away. So, from that perspective, hearing hearing him talk, man, it, it reminds me sometimes that listen, we put so much stake into these 40-yard dashes. And granted, I mean, I know there's a spot for it, but sometimes you just got to ask yourself, like, is this kid willing to work? Does this kid want it? Is there something special about it? Are they missing something in the draft process to find that out? Uh, because I it's mean, an easy thing you, to miss. What could you ask? What do you do? Yeah. I mean, do you just research and talk to their coaches? And Well, I mean, listen, and, and I was in those meeting rooms, too, and I was the guy that was always saying, I'll give it 110%. You yeah, know, yeah. I just hate to hear that. So, I mean, obviously your film helps, but, but even then sometimes, like, you don't really know the personality, the psychology of that player where if he gets to the next level, just how much work he's going to put in. I mean... I guess that's where you do your due diligence of asking maybe teachers or like you know high school coaches things like that. But it's one of those things where you just got to roll the dice on. It, it is a crazy thing. I mean, what, are you going to end up with a Paul Puzlowski and a Yannick Ngakwe, or are you going to end up with a guy that really is like, I don't really want to work that hard. I got a ton of talent, and I am not motivated to work hard. I just have this talent. I'm not going to get the most out of it. And you just don't know until that guy's probably in the league for a bit. All right, hey, we just caught up with uh, Dwayne Bow, and he will join us. Coming up on the other side of this timeout, the former chief, former Austin Lane teammate. What's he doing now? I think you might find it interesting. (laughs) Next on ESPN 690, live from Aroma Cigar Bar on the south side. You watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Now Action Sports Jacks is on your radio. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and a jar in Levine Studios. Here's your host, Brent Martineau. Cigar Bar on the south side. Stogie Fest coming up this weekend. Check it out, stogiefest.com if you want some more information. We'll be at the Jacksonville Iceman game tonight, so come out and say hello to Austin and I and everybody else. ESPN 690 night, so we'll have some folks there. Uh, stop by our table and uh, we'll have some fun. Iceman playing a big game, so make sure to come check that out. As always, talking football here on the show. It's some other things, but we do like talking some football here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, former Jacksonville Jaguar, former Kansas City Chief, 
former Chicago Bear, former Detroit Lion, Austin Lane, the co-host here on Action Sports Jacks. And now we have a reunion because we welcome in former Kansas City Chief Wide Receiver Dwayne Paul right now. And I think I might just step aside, Dwayne, because you guys got some catching up to do. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm blessed. Thank you. How y'all doing today? We're doing fantastic. Doing good, How about this, by the way? If you go back and think about what Dwayne Bow did on the football field with Kansas City, one year with Cleveland, but... How about that 15-touchdown year with the Kansas City Chiefs? And they didn't have Patrick Mahomes back no. then. <laughs> Not even close. That, that was without the, without the weapons. But, uh, you know, the quarterback I did have, you know, they did their job on getting me the ball to even reach those accolades. So shout out Matt Castle. Yeah, how about that, too? That was Castle that year. Uh, you had a, a really good career. Uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, and we're going to talk about your life after football career uh, as well. But what do you remember about playing for the Chiefs? Uh, that place comes to mind. I mean, Arrowhead's unbelievable, isn't it? Oh, my God. It was just like playing in Baton Rouge in front of 100,000. You know, those fans, man, you live to see them on Friday when everybody went red. And on this game day, nothing else mattered in the city. It was like the whole state and this family. And, you know, so I want to thank the Hubs for giving me eight. Great years over there, and I could never, you know, get in, feel another moment like that. I don't think as long as I live. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty wild in Kansas City. Uh, your thoughts on there? Do you stay in touch with uh, Kansas City people? Do you keep an eye on the Chiefs um, and the NFL? Definitely, I'm still, definitely still mentoring about thirty to forty guys in the league, and um, you know the changes that they're making now. I was like my second year, was just you know. Out with the older guys and with the newer guys that's, you know, young and that, you know, got a little bit more juice. That's what it's coming down to, coming down to. It, it don't matter about the name anymore. It's a matter about who can fit all in the system. So, I mean, I like what they're doing. I'm, you know, I'm a fan forever. Yeah, they're doing some pretty good things. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little Patrick Mahomes and playing in that offense in a bit. But uh, we got you on really Dwayne Bow here with us, former chief, because we wanted all the dirt on Austin Lane. I mean, we're a few months into this thing, and we're just trying to collect as much data as possible. I was only at the training camp, man. There wasn't so much dirt on me in Kansas City. <laughs> oh, man. I try, I, try, I try to just stay, you know, doing my new profession. Now I'm a rap a rapper and an athlete mixed together, so... I just dropped my album called No Referee. Make sure you guys check that out. They can follow me on Instagram, underscore Money Bow, a.k.a. Dwayne Bow, first round, Pro Bowl selection. Did that. So, Dwayne, man, I got to ask, because obviously I spent a little time in Kansas City. Uh, you know, I was playing defensive end, so we didn't really get to cross pass that much. But I remember you, obviously, because you're one of those leaders in that locker room. So, I mean, I, I do remember, obviously, you as a teammate. But, listen, I, I want to get into, you know, to talking about your new career here as a rapper. I mean, when most athletes turn to rap or hip-hop or whatever, you know, they they use their name because their, their name is known. It, it, it's a household name. If ask people who Dwayne Bow is, they're going to know who you are. But you actually changed your name. You know, I mean, obviously, you have a, you have a rap name now. I just want to know what, what made you pursue that name and what was the inspiration for it? I just... Came in the game as a 21 year old, you know, signing for millions of dollars. So it's like my friends always call me money from, you know, when I got graduated to the league. And I just, just, just added my last name to it. I, I didn't want to keep being associated with the football, but, you know, that opened, to, opened the door for me to do music, still motivate the kids, to still go 
talk to the kids and, you know, being a mentor. So I love football for that. And now it's like, you know, I'm a rap league, so it's a whole <laughs> different ball game. You got to learn just how you was and the rookie coming in the game about the business side of it because I'm the CEO of my own label. So that's only that's different, but it's the same fans. You're going to have some that hate you, some that they're going to love the daily draws. So I just appreciate all my fans who stuck with me with the journey with football and now going to be their favorite rap league. Dwayne Bow, the, the football player. Uh, Money Bow, the rapper, with us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. And I did want to ask you about that. Do you want those two things to be separate? Uh, we had Brett Myers on yesterday, and I've talked to him about this before. He's a former big league pitcher, won a World Series. Now he's a, a country music artist. And I think he'd like to separate the baseball as one career and the music as a different career. Uh, do you feel the same way about that, or do you are you okay with the collision of both worlds? I mean, everybody gonna have their own opinion on you know what they say when they see you. But when I was playing football, it was just that. So now I'm just you know I'm doing music and I'm still mentoring, talking to athletes. So I don't mind because that's why I changed the, you know the term to rap me, so I still can do both instead of label me as a rapper. You label me as a rap leader because I'm still holding seminars and still talking to the kids and still, you know, mentoring guys in the league. So I tell everybody to call me a rap leader, not a rapper. <laughs> Dwayne, from from a you know from the perspective of because obviously I mean, I've heard some of your music, man. I'm not gonna lie, I'm actually digging a little bit of it. Uh, you know, especially with hip hop these days, it's more about just kind of like the beats and whatnot, but you actually put some lyrics into it as well. I mean, you could tell that you've really worked on your craft and whatnot. My question for you is, is are you the type of rapper that, are you going to listen to the beat first and then get inspired for the lyrics, or do you write first and then hear the beats and try to put it to the music later? I mean, I just go, like, the guys who I've been listening to, like Lil Wayne, you know, the Migos era, you know, guys that speak real facts and real, you know, have a story for you, like Nas. I, I grew up in that era, so I've been having lyrics, so I just want my message to be clear, and I just listen to whoever I'm going to make a song. I just go to their YouTube and see the old videos that those guys make and come up with their same feel good. Because all my music is for motivation and purposes only. You know, I'm not talking about this or that. It's, you know, this is how you do it. It's your second job. You got to hustle hard. You know, my, it's a storyline. I just want, you know, athletes or any regular person just don't ever give up. Just chase your goals because I did that. You know, they, they say that rap music is kind of a young man's game, especially now because you got SoundCloud and YouTube and all this stuff. I mean, as far as from experience purposes, like how much does it help kind of being in the NFL, being a, a you know an NFL player? I mean... I got to think that you use some of the things that you learned playing in the league and you've actually taken some of those things in, into your new career. Um, the thing that you do learn in a rap career is, you know, everybody's saying that they're going to do something and, you know, their Instagram page look like they're working. You know, I think it's the biggest, if you're not in tune with the business side of it, you know, it's like a, it's like a money Ponzi scheme. It just... If you don't, everybody want to do music, but they don't, don't nobody want to learn the business part of it to make some money. Everybody just want to, you know, put a video out there and be known. I'm the type of guy that's going to have the business part. She's the youth about the business part of it. So in case football or whatever sports that they're playing don't work, you at least have a background 
you know, that can make you a lot of money independently, and that's music. Dwayne Bowe, former Kansas City Chief wide receiver with us. Uh, Money Bow, his rap elite name. Hashtag rap elite. Uh, here with us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Uh, you know, listen, you you grew up in Miami, and most kids that grow up, they think, all right, I want to be a football player. I want to be a basketball player. Is it true that you didn't even play sports, really, until you were deep into high school? And with that being said, would would – would you have dreamt more about being a rapper as a kid or being an athlete as a kid? <laughs> good question, good question. Um, the first time I touched, well, it wasn't no mic. It was a cassette player where you hit pick, play, and record at the same time. I'm from that era. <laughs> so when I was 13, I started hitting play and record and, you know, freestyling with all the boys in the neighborhood. And, you know, back then, you could, it wasn't no SoundCloud or YouTube to promote yourself and get out there. It was just, you either going to be a sports athlete or you're going to be a victim to the streets. And, you know, the first time I touched the ball when I was 17 years old in high school, I took back a 106 kickoff return and never looked back since. Went to LSU, got a national, and, you know, I've been grateful ever since. So it's not how long you do it, it's just the time and energy you got to put into it and the understanding of it. I think anybody can be who they want to be if they just follow, you know, the blueprint. That's unbelievable, man. I mean, seriously, to, to really not play. I mean, you probably messed around, right? Like in, in the neighborhoods and stuff, and played ball and, um, and threw the football basketball. around. I mean, basketball, okay. yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just, we, we had just crates. Like, <laughs> it wasn't a rim, but we had the crates. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you know, wow, that's so. great. That's great stuff. I mean, uh, did, did you? Are you just? Were you just that good of an athlete, though? I mean, again, you can work hard. I get it, and you can put your mind to it. But you still have to to not really do anything like that organized athletically until you're 17 years old, and to play in the NFL five years later, and to play as long as you did, and as successful. I mean, you obviously are just one heck of an athlete, too. Yeah, God given ability. It's a story. It's a story, man. I'm definitely doing my documentary, explaining my whole childhood life, and you know when I started, and you know the people that got me put me in positions to to graduate and to stay out of trouble. It's like a whole I can't wait till you guys see it. But yeah, it was just it was mind over matter. It was either go to jail. I got a couple of brothers in jail for murder, so it's either you go that route or you can be a role model in your area and successfully make it to the NFL and, and I did that. So I got one more question for you, man. I'm not sure if you still keep in contact with Tom Ali or not, but he's uh, he's kind of got his own little music career as well. Any chance that we can see a Tom Ali Dwayne Bow collaboration <laughs> up in the future? That's crazy. So he just sent me a track two weeks ago, but I've been on the road. I just got back. Um, it's, it's on the Caribbean vibe, so it's like it's like a, yeah. like when you're on a yacht and you're with your wife and you're smoking a cigar. It's one of those kind of vibes, but yeah. it's gonna happen within the next one, I guarantee you. <laughs> All right. There you go. You just, by the way, nice job on the cigar segue. We're actually at a, a cigar bar today here on the show at Aromas on the south hey, side hey. of Jacksonville, Florida. So you played into Whoa. that very nicely. <laughs> well done. Uh, I'm going to ask you hey. two quick ones, then we're going to let you go. Uh, you were recruited and brought into LSU by Nick Saban. Do you, are you at all surprised at, at just how successful he's been now? Uh, I, I mean, I know you don't. That doesn't hit you as an 18, 19 year old kid. But the, I mean, the guy's maybe the best coach of all time in college football now. What did it always strike you that Saban had like a greatness to him when you were around him? 
from the first day he walked into my house in Miami Garden, and I had Fabian in one chair, and I had Mary Coco from University of Miami. Fabian looked at me, and my grandma said, I'm not going to sit in a lot of you. If he come to LSU, I'm going to make him a star, but y'all can't guarantee him to start his rookie year. And I was like, oh, man, I went from All-American to winning state championship to go out the country homesick and not start? I don't know. Yeah. Coco said, I, the whole world, and you from Miami, it's going to catapult you with the Andre Johnsons. And, and it was kind of tempting, but like I said, I had real friends that went to jail that died that was just in, in my neighborhood doing the wrong thing. So, you know, I, I took Coach word, and, you know, he looked out for me, made sure my family was good, kept me on the right path to, you know, do 10 years and, and be grateful for the game. Yeah, good stuff. Great story. And and uh, lastly, my other question for you, 34 years old, Patrick Mahomes is slinging it around the yard. They've got a weapon on, on every single inch of the field in Kansas City in Arrowhead. You still got anything in you? Would you love to go back out there for, for a game or two? <laughs> I just worked out with AB two days ago, and I'll tell you, it definitely got to give me about six months. But if you give me six months, <laughs> I'll be right back in there, and I can bring it back home, baby. Uh, that's awesome. Good stuff. Hashtag rap uh, Money Bow, Dwayne Bow, former NFL yes, star, now rapping uh, rap athlete. And where do they find your music? Where can we find it? Where can we check it out and let everybody know? You can check it out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, No Referee, My Mixtape. It's, it's, it's out everywhere. Awesome, man. Right. Uh, hey, great catching up with you. Thanks for calling in and sharing Thanks, your story. You Look forward to the Thanks documentary, too. It's great to hear Definitely from you, man. Stay tapped in. Thanks we too appreciate long. it, guys. All right. All right. Uh, Dwayne Bowe checking in on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. He's got a tremendous story. Yeah. Wow, we'll be back right after this. Listen to some Money Bowe here on ESPN 690. Now. Action Sports Jacks with Bryn Martineau on ESPN 690 and ESPN 690.com. Hey, what a story Dwayne Bowe is. Unbelievable, really. I mean, to not play sports until you're 17 and to make it in, you know, a year later, have a college scholarship from Nick Saban, go to LSU, and then years after that be an all-pro and a Pro Bowl over the Kansas City Chiefs and play eight, nine years in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty cool story. And he wasn't uh, shy about telling us what he grew up around no, down there in Miami Gardens. And, and just, just uh, few, I mean, He's still a mentor, too, to a lot of NFL players yeah. as well. So, just, I mean, when you talk about Dwayne, man, just a guy living his best kind of life, really is. Did I hear him right that he was, uh, he said he was working out with A.B.? Did he say Antonio that's, Brown? That's what I thought he meant by A.B. I, I, I think what, that's what, what he said. I, mean, I, thought, I thought we were calling him Mr. Big Chest, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, maybe it's A.B. still, but yeah, that's what, it, that's what it sounded like. I think, you know, it's really cool to do this at time. You know, I like catching up with guys that are out of the NFL. And we talk about a lot. See, we talk about a lot in our business in the TV side of things. You always like to do life after football. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're, you're a proof of it. We see a bunch of Jags guys. I mean, I ran into Kyle Brady yesterday, and he's a, a lawyer in real estate. Okay. So, different stuff for everybody. Uh, Dwayne Bowe, rapping. Uh, we did Brett Myers yesterday, doing country music. It, to me, it's fascinating where stuff lands people. 
And yeah. I think one is, okay, what maybe did you study? What motivated you? Well, you didn't study MMA. Uh, and I'm sure Dwayne Bowden studied rapping. Yeah. Uh, then there's a different element of it nowadays compared to maybe the old-time athlete. There's so much money involved in professional sports that a guy like Dwayne Bow, I have no idea what he made over eight or nine years, but he made a good amount of money playing in the NFL. He's got pension and all that stuff down the road, so he can take some of that money and invest it into this rap endeavor. Yeah. Uh, you know, Brett Myers the same way. Brett Myers made a Invested ton of money. Himself. And so you can turn around and create stuff that probably if you're an up-and-coming artist, let's say you're 20 years old, 22 years old, and you want to do stuff, well, you might have to move to Nashville, or you might have to go somewhere else and chase the dream and, sure. and play a local bar for free or and get some tips. Well, I'm not saying you don't have to do that with these guys, but you can at least speed up some of the process. I didn't, Dwayne Bowe said he owns his own label. Yeah. Well, well, I don't well, know how you just smart. own your own label. I I, I don't well, know if that's that, a costly endeavor or not, but I'm I'm thinking no, not a lot of people do that, so it's got to be a costly endeavor. Well, there, there's a lot of independent artists now, especially in hip hop and whatnot, just because you think about it, where the old like in the old days when it came to record labels, their job was to push out the product, you know, what you're creating. Well, with YouTube, with with uh, you know, like Spotify, SoundCloud. Yeah. Now, I mean, anybody can put out music. So really, like the the you know the whole the whole term of a record label executive i mean it's kind of a, i don't want to say it's a dying breed but it's just there's not a need for it anymore so okay. but so it's mean, a little bit the industry exactly i, I mean the industry is kind of like you just don't you don't that even do that because you, you can be your own boss and that's what well, you can go straight to the consumer now also so you can reach out and find an audience directly but think about how hard that is for self-promotion that way yeah, well, well and it's in, yeah, so what you're saying is it's easier for self-promotion with a guy like Dwayne Bowe who's made a pro bowl yeah. and he's got a name even even though it's now money bow you still tell the rest of the story. Yeah. You know? But yeah, so getting back to I me mean, his story obviously it's it's super inspiring and I'm happy that he you know he's, he's found something after football and the, that's kind of been the trend the past couple of weeks Brent, of people that we talked to these athletes who you know the, they found other passions or they're, they're still chasing their dreams of playing professional sports. Uh you know, and, and that's awesome and everything, but then it kind of sucks to think because you you imagine, I mean, we talked to five, six guys that are, you know, that have kind of found their niche that are succeeding, but there's there's a hundred guys out there that have, you know, that retired from the game that are having trouble just trying to, you know, adjust back to, I guess, you know, standard living and just trying to find their next thing because you got to think about it. A lot of these guys, especially in the NFL, when their time's done, they don't get to say that. You know, it's either a coach or a GM that tells them, like, you're not good anymore. Yeah, yeah. And then they're forced to do something else. So from that, you know, from that point of view, and I, and I know a couple guys like that. I'm not going to name any names, but, I, I mean, I see guys in Jacksonville that are still kind of struggling to figure out what the next step is. And it's sad to hear, but that's just the fact of life. I guess. Well, listen, it's a, I'll give you another example of it. And Paul Pozzolosi is a great example of trying to find your way. Listen, there is nothing, and I would imagine, nothing that can fulfill the need of, of, of the passion and rush and, and camaraderie and lifestyle of being a professional athlete once you are one. Now, for me, listen, I, I, I've said this to people in the past, like, hey, at times in your 20-year TV radio career, do you think about, yeah, you know what, maybe I should try doing something else, right? And people all go through that, right, at, at various stages. Maybe it's not moving along as fast. Maybe you're not making enough money. Even in our industry, it does that. And so what I would say, since I knew I wanted to do this since I was such a young age, much like an athlete thinks they want to be an athlete for such a young age, I would be like, yeah, I just don't know what I would do. You know, and yeah. so I kind of can relate in terms of a wanting what to do. The yeah. difference is, 
you know, if you're a professional athlete like Paul Pozlesley for 10 years, you probably have plenty of money in the bank and you can sit on it and figure out what you want to do. Uh, I might not have had the luxury to do that when I was weighing those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, where you got to go find a job and pay the bills still. Yeah. But I get, so I get the point. Like, I can, like, what else would you do? I love but, doing this. Like, what else would I do to be like, hey, uh, you know, some people say, well, well, you wouldn't have to work weekends or or you could work nine. I don't want to work nine to five. I don't want I don't yeah. mind working the weekends to be. I like the off schedule. Like I'm so used to that now. Like that's that's it for me. So I can if you put me in a whole different industry right now mm-hmm. and I'm nine to five and I'm wearing a suit to work every day. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying if you put me in that setting. I feel like I might be completely lost. It, it would be unsatisfying to me cons- compared to what I have been doing. So from a from an athlete standpoint, I, I kind of get, okay, what else can feed that need, you know? And I'm not trying to get people's sympathy for, you know, professional athletes, especially football players after they retire, because thankfully, you know, in in my case, I had something to kind of go towards after yeah. football. So I, I didn't really have time to just sit and think a little bit, you know, and just, um, I guess, self-reflect. But... And listen, and obviously, yes, the, the, when you, you make a lot of money sometimes in the NFL, and that's great and everything, but what people don't realize is the fact that when you're talking NFL players especially, I mean, you're talking about guys who have had structure, who have had things done. you got to be here at a certain time, bring your yes. playbook, be here, do this play, do this play. You're almost getting told what to do on a daily basis. Well, and okay, and th- th- there's an offseason and whatnot. Yeah, but in the NFL and in the in professional lifestyle, with all due respect to all you guys, they do everything almost for you except for go to the bathroom for you. Yeah, but at the same time, Brent, it's one of the most structured jobs I think you can have. Yeah. You know? So when, when you take that structure away, well, then, then it's, what? Well, yeah. then, then, then what? And that's just my point. And I'm you're making. 28, 29 years old and 30 years old, 31 years old. I yeah. mean, you're still young. You don't, you don't, you don't know what the heck you want to do. Yeah. So, And I brought up Pazlazny, and the reason I brought it up is I had talked to him at one point during the season when he stopped by uh, Jags headquarters. Sure. And I ran into him, and I was like, how you handling this? Yeah. You know him. I mean, oh, I know, yeah. You, you know, talk about talk about a guy who's wrestled with it like yep. didn't know what to do with himself can still go to the gym but it's not the same absolutely loves playing the game of football i mean i you told knew him it would be hard when i saw him at his retirement thing like dude you gotta go into coach yeah man. and and he might still someday because yeah. you know that burns inside of him to be around the pigskin and be around the sport i mean that, that's just what he knows but he's also trying to figure it out i mean he flies planes he, he got his pilot license he also i think is getting into the business realm of whether it's going back and getting his, uh, what it might be a master's in business, or I think he's talked to people down at the Jags about the business side of things and other places. I mean, he's a really smart guy. Yeah. So, but I do. My whole point in that is, listen, Paul Pozzolosi is going to be fine. Of course. I'm not saying he's he's lost. He doesn't know what to do. But I think he is trying to figure it out. It's such a departure from what he's done for his last 10, 12, 15 years of his life, and that's real. Uh, that is a real, real thing, uh, and and hard to replace. But it, it does fascinate me, you know, and I would say this about you. Okay, so you do MMA. Now you're doing a little radio, but take the MMA stuff. If you could go back 10 years, mm-hmm. say go back to high school, and you could do it again, would you be an NFL player or go into MMA? You know what? I would, because MMA wasn't really on my mind in high school. You know, it wasn't Yeah, well, it wouldn't the have biggest, been. Yeah, it, and it wouldn't so that's have why been. I got so, it. You almost have to go back and say, all right, you got one career path to choose because you can't go to the NFL after MMA listen, most likely. And, it, and it's crazy just how how life works out and how a journey can work out. Because literally the only reason why I got into fighting was because I, I went to this MMA gym here, you know, in Jacksonville because one of my friends fought. And the only reason I went to that gym in the first place 
or even you know question to go there was the fact that Joe Cullen said that we should work on our hands in the offseason. So oh, okay. say I don't get drafted the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't meet Joe Cullen, maybe I don't go to the MMA gym and maybe I you know I don't become an MMA fighter. So it's just it's funny just you know like the the, the twists and turns that life can hand uh, you know if I can give out. It's funny when I was uh, with the Jaguars and I was in the training room uh the guy got a all right, a little technical difficulty going on there, so we're going to jump into a quick break. We'll be back with Brett and Austin in just a few moments. ESPN 690. You watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Now Action Sports Jacks is on your radio. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios, here's your host, Brent Martineau. Austin. I was going to say, come on, man. Give oh, you didn't give him any time. I was going to say either Boston or Kansas. I get him confused sometimes. Strike first, strike hard, Austin. I guess so, man. I was going to say either Boston or Kansas. Uh, uh, yeah, Boston. More than a feeling. How about this tweet right here? Here we are again at Chiefs. A little update. He's faster, stronger, waiting for your phone call. You need to back up to Travis Kelsey. Give the man a shot. Clay Harbor will accept vet minimum. Patrick Mahomes, how would you like a vet backup fast pass-catching pass tight end? Showing uh, this Clay is, Harbor. This is Clay Harbor saying that? It's his agent saying it. Oh, okay. That's one way to go about it. Just go tweet right at him. Say, give us a chance. Yeah, I mean, all right. By the way, the... Uh, <laughs> I would probably tell my agent to relax, but all right, whatever. It's not just uh, cigars here at Aromas Cigar Bar. Yeah. It's wings as well. Yeah, we wings. Salt and pepper wings. I'm we not just mad ate at those. in that break. I am not mad at those at all. And we lost you for a there. moment, which means we lost the end of the story. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Scott back uh, in the studio. Sorry, Scott, I'd send you a wing over the radio, a wing over the radio waves if I could. Uh, smell my breath. But Nick is... The uh, speaker uh, sauce would be awesome, though. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but finish up your story because you had, I don't know where we got cut off there a little bit, but you had said you, your thought after was to go out and go oh, snowboard yeah. for a year, but then you had, well, you got a kid and you got married. Exactly. I mean, I had my whole life planned out in the league. You know, I was going to go out to Tahoe. Uh, I was going to, because this is what my stepdad kind of did. So I was going to go out to Tahoe, kind of live off the grid, not have a cell phone. I was have like a, like a landline or whatever for emergencies and then just be a snowboard bum for a year. And, uh... Unfortunately, you know, we had, we had a we had a kid, we had a miracle, my son Ronan, and I got married. So those plans uh, didn't, you know, come to fruition. But hey, the, that, that's life sometimes, and everything works out for a reason. And I'm I'm living the best life I can right now, and I'm thankful for it. So it's just funny though how you kind of plan things out, even in the NFL, and they never really turn out how you want them to. Yeah. Hey, people, will you drive safe? This is the third time now we've seen uh, rescues heading down South Side, going the uh, South Way on South Side. And uh, hopefully everybody's uh, okay. Drive safe here on a 5.30 on Friday. Head for the weekend, but get there safely. Please do that. Uh, NCAA tournament, uh, I want to take a quick look before we get into stay in your lane. we got a game coming up as well. Uh, but NCAA tournament tonight. We talked about which game we would pick. Do you think we see any stunners tonight? Or would there even be a stunners because of the chalk involved in uh, the games tonight? I mean, well, you're Auburn pick. I mean, Auburn, North I'm Carolina. I'm taking Auburn. I'm taking UK because I have to have them because I have UK in the finals. Uh, I got Duke beating Virginia Tech. And the LSU-Michigan State game, 
Go ahead and give me Michigan State. I think LSU, what they've been doing as a team, has been admirable. The fact that they're doing it without their head coach and everything, but I think their their run comes to an end. So give me Michigan State. It's interesting with LSU. What if LSU continues to do well? What if they continue know. to go to the Final Four? What if they win and win it all? I mean, they're a talented group. If they win it all, you, don't you sit here and wonder, okay, when's that thing getting taken away? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah with all that, the stuff going on. That's, I mean, a, that's a damn good point. They're allowed to play. I mean, how well, many players would you find out down the road shouldn't have been playing if that's the case? See, uh, and I'm not assuming that, but it's well, happened before. We've seen it before. And and you say take it away, like, okay, I get it. They're going to take away the trophy, the, the physical object. But you can't take away what that team accomplished. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, like, it's the same thing with, like, the USC Trojans when they got uh, when they got banned and everything like that. I mean, sure, go ahead and take Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy away. I still remember him as a player in college. I remember him being the best college player that year. So just because you take away the physical uh, trophy, the physical aspect of it, it doesn't take away what they accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's put a bow on Florida State, too. Florida State had a magnificent year, and we talked about them earlier in the show. They just couldn't get shots to fall. Simple as that. But a magical run, two years in a row. Well, I shouldn't say magical. Magical run doesn't end in, in the Sweet 16. Magical run usually ends at Elite Eight, Final Four. But it was a good run, and it was a really good year. And sometimes you just play teams that are just as good or if not a little bit better. Again, uh, if, if you missed it, they've only lost three times in the last couple of months. And those losses, Duke, North Carolina, Gonzaga, all three of those teams still playing. All three of those teams stood the chance at the Final Four. All three of those teams you could pick as a national champion. So uh, Florida State is just as good in terms of talent, I think, as all those teams. They just could not get a couple of shots to fall, or that game might have been completely different at the end of the day. Let's hear from Leonard Hamilton as he puts a bow on the 2018-19 season, which was a good one at FSU. I thought Gonzaga did a, a really good job of early on in the half, in the first part of the game, of managing the game a lot better than we did. They got more of what they uh, have been accustomed to getting than we did. We've had a tendency all year sometimes to shoot the ball extremely well. And, but we've had games when we have not performed very well. We seem to be somewhat hesitant from the perimeter. And uh, we dug a little hole for ourselves in the first half. And uh, it was hard to overcome that. I was proud of my kids for fighting back, cutting it to uh, working margin there in the second half. But we came up a little short against a really good team. That's uh, Leonard Hamilton. They did that. And Gonzaga has a really good team. Uh, I just think it comes down to making shots sometimes, and they didn't make enough of them. I do have an update in the bracket. I'm still in last place, but I'm coming to get you, Austin Lane. Only four points behind. <laughs> Look out. I'm not worried about it. Look out. Coos is still in the lead. I'm not worried about it. I don't know about I don't even. I haven't looked. I don't know who has the best chance, but uh, I've got Gonzaga winning it all. So if Gonzaga wins it all, I think I really have a decent chance I mean, to, uh, to beat y'all. All my Final Four teams are still in it, Brent. That's all I'm saying. And you have Duke winning it all. Yeah, you yeah. do have all of Gonzaga. Yep. Duke, boy, you chalk man. Well, how's that pan out for me? Pretty well. It has so far. Well, you're not really. You have Auburn. Auburn and an upset would really help Bruce you out. Pearl. That would really help Come you on, out. Come on, baby. It's and I have Houston, By the way, magic. it's a big night for us going head-to-head because I have Houston beating Kentucky. Okay. Okay. I like it. A little, uh, little sweetener in the pot. No, so we got a little something on the line. Uh, by the way, Jaguars, this just came out uh, a short time ago. They resigned Tyler Shatley. Tyler Shatley is back with the Jags. And I know he went for – this is interesting. Second guy that went for a visit and then signed with the Jags. I, I, I want to say Shatley visited, like, Chicago. 
I can't remember, but either way, he went for a visit somewhere, then comes back. James O'Shaughnessy did the same thing. I think might have visited like the Lions and then came back and signed. I like this signing by the Jags with Tyler Shatley. Tyler Shatley visited the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings, okay, yes. you're right. And they need some help at the line, so that made a lot yep. of sense. But uh, Tyler Shatley's been around here forever. But he is a valuable commodity with the fact that Brandon Linder cannot stay healthy for a full year. And Tyler Shatley goes in at that center spot and does a nice job. He also has some flexibility at the guard positions. So I really like th like this signing from a depth perspective yeah. for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, it's one of those guys where... You hope you don't see him in the game just because that means that people got hurt. Yep. But it's nice to have that guy there because he's played before. So. And it is an experienced guy. You know what you're getting. So um, I like I like the signing of Tyler Shatley. I know some people around here are tired of the Shatleys and Josh Wells, and they're still on the team. And uh, Let's not be overdramatic about it. I don't think Tyler Shatley's a pro bowler. Nope. But I do think with his experience and versatility, I think he's a good fit on that offensive line. And I'll continue to say what is not very popular to say. I don't have as much of a problem with the Jags offensive line as a lot of other people do. I think the Jags' offensive line is going to be okay. They played 16 offensive linemen last year. I know. I would yeah. be shocked if that happens again. They're not going to play 16 of them. Could they be better even on paper? Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Right tackle, what are they going to do? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I think they're better off than a lot of people give them credit for being, and that's why I still lean toward the tight end in the draft. When it comes to the offensive line, it's not a sexy position. Therefore, you're not going to get some sexy names every once in a while. So from that thing, yeah, I agree. I think I think the Jaguars do go tight end, but we shall see, Brent. We shall see. Stay in your lane. What you Stay got here lane. on a Friday? Finish it off in style, will you? Cruise control. Got to go with my boy Giannis out of the Kempo. Listen, I've been campaigning the last couple of days of why I think he should be the MVP. It's got nothing to do with that in my cruise control. Regardless of awards, there's no denying that Giannis, the Greek freak, is one of the good people of this world. Uh, Brent, I'm not sure if you saw the, the video that's been going over Twitter and whatnot, but during an autograph signing, people have the opportunity to, to, you know, to meet Giannis and everything, get a picture with him. Well, enter a timid young girl who appears to have made a picture for Giannis. Uh, the girl can barely get out any words trying to explain what the card you know, was what, that, that she drew up for Giannis. Um, Giannis, who was overcome by the gesture made it a habit to go around the table, give the girl a hug who's almost in tears because she's so nervous, and just embrace her. That's and, cool. th and then he got to say this, how awesome the picture was and how much he appreciated it. So I always love seeing that. I mean, especially from that dude. That, uh, if you guys don't know this story, please look it up. Um, one of the real inspirational stories, uh, there's a documentary that played before the All-Star game that I watched, and just one of the really good guys in, uh, in the NBA, um, a great ambassador for the sport, obviously, being an immigrant as well. So just a cool guy, a cool gesture. Check out that video. Um, but, yeah, anytime a professional athlete can change a kid's day, you know, I'm all for it. It's funny. When I was in Chicago, and this is the last game of the season, we're playing in Minnesota, and at this point I'm thinking my career is pretty much done, to be honest with you. Okay. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to play anymore. I'm, I'm going to get cut next season. Just Those aren't good thoughts to have, but let's be honest. I'm, I'm a realist. So I figured this might be my last game playing in Minnesota. And uh, I'm like, well, if this is indeed the last game, and I wasn't even suiting up, I was just, you know, wearing my street clothes. I'm like, if this is indeed the last game, I at least want to make something memorable. So what I did was I pulled a kid, and he was wearing a Vikings jersey. Uh, during the, the pregame warm I pulled the kid out of the stands, and we, we just played catch, you know. <laughs> cool. and, and, um, and that was, like, my moment. I was like, listen, I remember being a kid and being an on. Granted, I played for the opposing team, but I think that kid took a cool memory. Uh, his parents were pretty excited, so... 
I always encourage, you know, um, NFL players, NBA players, whoever, just get involved with kids, man, because it's a, it's a pretty cool scene. I think it's cool. And listen, I think there's a couple of things that make that not easy. I think a lot of guys are humble by nature yeah. and don't really think like, yeah, I, I get Like, that kid doesn't care who I am. Exactly. You know what I mean? You exactly. kind of sense that. And so there's an element of that where it's like, well, it's not like you don't want to do that, but you almost, does it sound like, hey, if I do that, this kid really wants to do this with me. You know what I mean? No, for sure. Uh, but the bottom line is, yes, you can yes. be whoever, and you're wearing a uniform yeah. in the NFL, and the answer to that is always yes. Yep, exactly. uh, and I think it's one of the cool things J.J. Watt does. Of course. Watt goes yep. around that field and plays catch with people. Yep. And, yeah. and you, you are telling that story. Uh, for the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years, if you've caught a pass from J.J. Watt before a game yeah. and you've thrown it back to him, yep. it's fun. That's cool. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Well, and it's the smallest things that can make the biggest difference. Yep. So, pretty cool story coming from Giannis. Hey, hold on to your pump your brakes. Okay. We're going to take one final time out of the show. When we come back, we pump the brakes. We also play a little bit of a game oh, and yeah. send into the weekend in style. Hopefully, you're coming on over to the Jacksonville Iceman tonight. If you have a chance, ESPN 690 night, come on and say hello. Big game for the Iceman. Only a couple more left at home tonight and tomorrow. That's it. 7.30, they drop the puck. And uh, come say hello at the Jacksonville Iceman game at the arena tonight. We'll be back with a little pump your brakes and stay in your lane and a game to end the weekend. Stay with us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Now, back to Action Sports Jacks with Brent Martineau on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Give a my mom. Says, hey, mom, thanks for putting up with my Limp Biscuit phase. Uh, I'll never forget when I, when I got drafted here back in 2010, my very first message to the to the Jacksonville Jaguar fans, and this is back, you know, Twitter wasn't really the biggest thing yet back in 2010, but people were on it, and I'll never forget, I tweeted something to the, along the lines of, I uh, can't wait to be in Jacksonville, Duval, going to make more noise than Limp Bizkit. And, uh, people <laughs> Do it all for the rookie. Come on, the rookie. Yeah, hey, Come on. I like it, man. So, yeah, people really seem to, to cling to that tweet and everything like that. So I kind of won some fans right away before even stepping on the field. Hey, that's smart. Yeah. Play the local local band. Local, local band for sure. Uh, all right, pump your brakes. Pump your brakes real quick here. Jose Martinez of the St. Louis Cardinals. I hope that fan that I met at Sawgrass a couple weeks back was watching the game for the St. Louis Cardinals because uh, I remember that guy. Because you got to call the cops, man. Lorenzo Kane was stealing runs out there. Bottom of the ninth, two outs, cards down by one. Martinez hit what looked like a game-tying home run, only to be robbed by Kane doing his best Mutombo impression. He said, "No, no, 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 no!" Jump and rob the ball from over the fence. Brewers win the game. Suck it, St. Louis Cardinals. I don't care if I can say that or not because I do not like the Cardinals, Brent. You know that. And, uh, and That was a great and, catch. And I'll pay the fine if I have to. Yeah, well, you will. All uh, right. Apologies already uh, in order. Oh, that's fine. You Whatever, got that man. thing. Just pull that out. Get it off the file. Turn it out. <laughs> Haven't had to use it yet, but yeah. probably have to use it at some point. On behalf uh, of uh, ESPN 690, <laughs> I like to apologize. Yeah, no. Yeah, uh, Brent Martin, right. Austin it. Lane here at uh, Aroma Cigar Bar. Stogie Fest this weekend. Check out more information. StogieFest.com. Uh, private uh, VIP uh, party tonight and tomorrow. And then uh, general admission, although it sounds like it might even be capped off. 
Uh, but check it out online if you want to participate. On Sunday, it's going to be a big day here at Aroma's Cigar Bar, and uh, we've been here all afternoon. The wings are good, too. Wings are fantastic. So uh, we have been sneaking a couple of those wings along the way. All right. We have a little bit of a game, and we've got tied into some UFC action. Yeah, just a quick breakdown. uh, MMA, we'll call it 30 seconds. Uh, UFC on ESPN2 this weekend. Justin Gagey facing Edwin Barboza. Gagey, an all-American wrestler. One would say that wrestling is probably the greatest attribute to have in MMA because you can dictate where the fight goes. Justin Gagey does not believe in this philosophy. Justin Gagey has two goals in terms of fighting. Coming forward, taking damage, bleeding, and then dishing out damage. That's his game. Uh, He's fighting a guy by the name of Edson Barboza. Barboza is the only guy to ever knock somebody out via leg kick, body kick, and head kick. Wow. So guess what? It's going to be a striking duel uh, in terms of uh, UFC this weekend. It's on ESPN2. It's the main event. I'd definitely check it out if I was you guys. All right. Just saying. And uh, to try to, you know, a little transition then, seeing how we're about one week away from WrestleMania, Brent, and we got UFC this weekend, I figure we go to the to, to the well one more time. Let's do it. How, are there really that many uh, nicknames in, in MMA and course, in wrestling? Course, I mean, that we've gone through this three times now Dude, in the first couple of we, months. We could go to it about 20 times if we really needed to. Do I, uh, I? I failed miserably the first time. I think the second, the second time, time I was a little failed. bit. Ah, but you still failed. I still failed. Didn't win. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see if the third time's a charm. Brent, you got to tell me, is this a UFC fighter or a professional wrestler? The Red King. UFC fighter, professional wrestler. The Red King. Ooh, can I chime in? Uh, UFC fighter. Yeah, go ahead. You can chime in, too. UFC guy. That's Fedor, isn't it? No, no. It's a UFC fighter. That's Roy McDonald. Point for Brent. There we go. All right. I was thinking, like, uh, it wasn't, like, uh, someone from China or uh, nope. Russia He's or something Canada. Like Canada. Canada, yep. Okay. Red King. Number two, the Cookie Monster. Mm. UFC fighter or professional wrestler? The I'm, Cookie Monster. I'm going to say... Uh, it feels like a wrestling name, but I don't think you're going alternate people. So I'm gonna play in your. I'm gonna get in your head, and I'm picking UFC. Nailed it, Carla Sparza. Yeah, yeah. Why? Because she loves cookies. I don't know. I mean, it's not really intimidating, but uh, props to her. You're All right. Testing my knowledge now that we have. Uh, I have to guess the women UFC fighters. Well, nicknames. they're all UFC fighters. Brent, stop being sexist. Oh, sorry. Number three, uh, the Twisted Sister. Uh, the Twisted Sister. Here we go again, right? Hopefully this isn't a male. Uh, this is not a male. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies uh, to Dee Snyder. I'm going, exactly. I'm going with um, wrestling on this one. Three for three, Nikki Cross, the twisted yeah. sister of Sanity. Nailing it on a Friday. Man, all right, this one should you, be You it. think you've been doing homework on golf and other things. This I've been be doing my own homework. This should be a no-brainer, but we'll see. The excellence of execution. That's a no-brainer? Yep. UFC <laughs> fighter. Or professional wrestler, the excellence of execution. I gotta believe because of all the tactics and uh, technicalities of UFC, that's a UFC. Oh man, no, that is a professional wrestler, Brett the Hitman Hart. The best. The best. Yeah, the best there. What is it? The best there is. The best there was. The best there ever will be. And uh, props to that's him. That's like my era too, and I should have known that. Dude, that was that. Right in your wheelhouse, man. You struck out. Uh, props out to Bret Hart, though, along with Jimmy the Anvil. Hart getting uh, elected to the 
So the WWE Hall of Fame, uh, obviously, as members of the, the Hart Foundation. Not bring it down or not, but of all time. Bret the Hitman Hart, didn't he die? Nope, wrestling? he's alive. Jim, Jim the Anvil Nightheart is when that passed away. Okay, who was the one that, that died wrestling, that jumped off? The oh, Owen Hart. Yeah, very good. Yeah, so Owen Hart, I actually watched that live. Um, he was doing a stunt where he was coming down from the ceiling on a harness. Yeah. The harness snapped. He fell. Yeah. And that is what it is. I yeah. thought that. So it was a it was a heart. It was a, it, a Owen, Owen Hart. Hart. Okay. Yep. Correct. Um. So Did I get bonus points for that? No, you sure don't. You still lost <laughs> that one. Okay. Here's one for you. The stun gun. UFC fighter or professional wrestler. Oh, man, that the sounds stun like a, gun. That sounds like an uh, elimination move for both sports. Um. Uh, I'm going to go with UFC. Nailed it. Korean fighter Dung Young Kim called wow. the Sun Gun. There we go. Yep. What am I, uh, Ward 1? Yeah, this is the last and one. And probably the, the easiest well, one I got wrong. Th this is the last one. Then we actually have a bonus one as well. Okay. All right. You better get this one. The Last Kicker. Last. L-A-S-S. The Last Kicker. Is she a professional wrestler or a UFC fighter? The Last Kicker. I gotta go USC here. Oh no! Oh, Brent. she is the man. Brent, she's the man. It's Becky Lynch. It's Becky Lynch. She's, she's headlining WrestleMania, sir. Didn't she just rip Gronk? Did you I see did, that? I didn't see that. No. Yeah, I think she did. Said like something about Gronk beating the WWE. All right. Well, as the wrestling fans are turning the station now, I, I do have a bonus one for you. I mean, I think so. I Becky Lynch is the la last kicker. Well, she's Why just, haven't she's, I heard she's, of that? She's yet. a lot of things. She's the last kicker. She's the man. Listen, you know what? What? If you're going to have a nickname, have one. Hey, guess what? If you're going to headline WrestleMania, you get as many nicknames as you want. All right, show some respect for Becky Lynch. We don't call coups multiple things. Both and let's not forget about Charlotte Flair. Exactly. Charlotte Flair. I got that one wrong last night. Yes, you did. <laughs> All right, and then here's the last one. Brent, I feel like you won this game, but here's a little bonus point for you. There's, there's multiple people from this one. Let's see if you can name them. Uh, you can guess what, where they're from. Rowdy. Rowdy. UFC fighter, professional wrestler. Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. Yep, uh, there's one. And so, I'm, supposed to, I'm supposed to name, like, there is a UFC fighter with that name, I believe. There might be. But Rowdy. Uh, there's there's two people it's, it's with that nickname. It's Ronda Rousey. Ah, nailed it for the bonus point. Yeah. Yes, so sir. is that her name in UFC and not in wrestling or in both? No, it's both. It is both. Yeah, because, okay. well, she got her nickname from Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. That's right. I yes. knew that. I knew that. Oh, and a fun fact with that, too. Joan Jett is going to actually play, because that's her opening song is Joan Jett. Um, I don't care. I don't give a damn about my bad reputation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's playing that at WrestleMania Live. All right. Well, so I just nailed that. I don't know if Dakota over there wants to take a picture with me now, but, I mean, I just won that <laughs> game hands down. I mean, I crushed it. That was impressive, man. I'm proud of you. By the way, so Dakota's from Savannah. Yep. Comes by. He does the... He asked me to take a picture of you and him. Yep. He yep. knows you're from the Jags days or yeah, from he, the wrestling? He, I think he knows me. Uh, I don't wrestle, Brent. I mean, USA, sorry. Actually, you better wrestle at times. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think he recognized me from playing football, actually. So All right. That was uh, that really made my weekend, especially since I've had to take pictures of you before. <laughs> times. And by the way, that, that kid never got that picture, by the way. I should probably get back on that. Yeah, that's right. What happened to that? I expected something on Twitter from that kid. Well, I haven't truth, seen it. Truth be told, I tried to send him that picture, and we're on Sawgrass, didn't have service. I saw it, didn't go through, and I forgot all about it until now. So I will resend that picture tonight. Hey, Tiger Woods is an underdog against Rory McIlroy tomorrow in match play. Who would you take? Say it one more time. Tiger Woods, underdog. You put 100 bucks on Tiger, you can win 140. Who's he playing? Tommy Fleetwood? Rory McIlroy. Oh. Give me Tiger.
Tiger. Tiger to win 140. Tiger Just throw money on Tiger. He got going today. He made it to the weekend. Hey, we made it to the weekend, too. Thanks for hanging out on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. News of the day, Tyler Shatley re-signed by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Iceman play tonight, ESPN 690 night. Come join us at the arena for Austin Lane. Scott, great job all week, man. We appreciate your help. I'm Brett Thanks for having me, guys. Aroma Cigar Bar. Check out Stogie Fest all weekend long, stogiefest.com. Have a great weekend. I'll see you on TV, Fox 30 and CBS 47 tonight. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.